Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie's got... Uh, uh, an event to go to in a little bit. So Michelle Smallman is joining us from New York, and she'll be with us New from York. two to six. What's up, Michelle? What's up, guys? How are you? Doing great. How about yourself? I am doing well too. It's always a good day when I get to join my favorite guys in St. Louis and talk sports for a few hours. No wow, way! No way! Wait a minute, wait a minute <laughs> Michelle. When you're on with BK and Ferrario, do you also say that to them? Oh wow! I thought you weren't listening, then, Anthony. Shut up. <laughs> You're not wrong. Starting <laughs> off with the shows was some lies, but boy, it, it felt good, though. It felt good, though. So, you know, we'll yeah. go with that. Small uh, victory. What did not feel good was watching the Cardinals lose last night. They lose 3-2 to two to the Milwaukee Brewers. Had an opportunity, a couple of opportunities, including one late when Wilson Contreras hits a double that should have been caught by Weimer, but he misplays it. Contreras, the potential tying run at second base. Cardinals don't plate him, but overall, this has been a pretty good run for for the Cardinals. I think my biggest takeaway, yeah, the offense, the offense wasn't there. As we know, Jamie, the offense can be feast or famine. Last <laughs> night, it just happened to be famine. Michelle, Jamie, and I were fighting about that yesterday. Anthony's Jamie, just a jerk. You I, know? Just, I think the offense is. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I think the offense is feast or famine, Michelle. What it? Now I know you don't get an opportunity to see every single game, right? But when you when you go from April, don't go to the expectations in training in uh, spring training. But when you go from April till now, how else would you describe the offense? I think feast or famine is pretty accurate. The yes. pendulum swings pretty heavy both sides. Anthony, that's an L I, for you. I would have loved to have seen this conversation if the Cardinals put up five or six runs last night, still lost, and you'd be like. We're not going to talk about feast or famine because it's the pitcher's fault. It's all their fault. I know how you do this. Well, normally it is their fault. I know. Last night just happened to be the famine's fault. It was pretty bad, though. Jordan Montgomery looked good, though. He looked good. Five and a third. Did allow eight hits. Three runs. Walked one. Struck out seven. What you can't have is the two home the two home runs. But give them a shot. Keep them in the game. I mean, then maybe the offense will, will come through. Unfortunately, the offense didn't come through. The umpire came through on a Brendan Donovan at bat at one point. Uh, that was that was ugly. Overall, though, guys, from a big-picture view, Jamie, what was your takeaway? Uh, for me, takeaway is that the team still struggles with runners in scoring position, uh, which I obviously it's not ideal, but it looks like a different team. 
it doesn't look like the same team that was in that awful, massive losing skid not too long ago. This team looks different. Like last night felt a little different to me. I was optimistic heading into the ninth inning that they were able to get some runners in, even an eighth inning. So for me, my takeaway is that the starting pitching has been better. And it's amazing how competitive your team can be when that happens. Michelle, popping in and out when it comes to following the Cardinals, because you, you've got mm-hmm. you've got to follow everything nationally, too. By the way, I heard you a couple of Saturdays ago. I was, dri- I was driving around. You were, you were hosting Game Time. I can't remember who your co-host was, but you guys were talking about the, the NBA playoffs. Oh, yeah. I'm a full-blown NBA girl now, guys. There you go. <laughs> so you've got That's to- what we do nationally. So... You know, watching the Nuggets and the Lakers and the Celtics, you got to you got to pop in and out. But when you right. watch the Cardinals and you have an opportunity to, you also followed them in April and a little bit in May. Are you with Jamie? Does this does this feel like a different team right now? It really does. Even you talk about a feast or famine offense. I bet Jordan Montgomery's like, hey guys, where's my run support? You, you're going to throw up 18 two nights ago, and then you can't give me a little bit more. Poor guy. Oh, should have banked it. And seven starts, yikes, right? Um, I think my big takeaway, guys, and why this feels different, it's not only because even despite the outcome last night, the team has been winning. It's Nolan Arenado. When he goes, this team goes. And you, this is not a groundbreaking statement to say how, how important Nolan Arenado is to the success of the St. Louis Cardinals. But I just think he's proving more than ever the force multiplier that he can be for this team when he's hot offensively and he is absolutely hot offensively another home Boy, run last night he he only had the one hit but the one hit was it was a home run he also drew a walk at one point we already know what you're going to get defensively out of nolan nolan arenado but with him being red hot at the dish it elevates everybody else around him i mean i i, I think goldschmidt accomplishes the same feat but when you look at a lineup that has Goldschmidt, Contreras, and Arnado, or you've got Gorman hitting third when you know when they're not facing a left-hander, and Wade Miley got hurt early in that game last night. Perhaps that threw the Cardinals off a little bit. You got to make adjustments. You're not you're not prepared for a bullpen game that early, but you got to make adjustments. But when you look at a middle of the order that that consists of Goldschmidt, Contreras, Arnado. Gorman, some sort of variation of that. And then you toss in like a Lars Newbar who's having a great year as well. This offense does have the capability of being one of the best in the National League. Can you get enough of these guys rolling at the same time and have that power on display to to do more what you did two nights ago and hang not 18 runs every single night, but be nice. do the damage that way as opposed to, you know, only only scoring two and leaving a bunch of runners in scoring position. Yeah, I think that's the big thing again, that I'm going to highlight is the runners in scoring position. And you can argue all day long today about whether those two pitches were strikes or not when Brendan Donovan was up at the plate. I believe that those were two high fastballs that were balls. They they were not strikes, but they were called strikes early in the count. You're 0-2 in that count. You had guys in scoring position with one out. Then you get a strikeout, then you get a ground out. That's pivotal moments where you just... You literally just had to put the ball in play. That's all you needed to do, and you couldn't do it. So that concerns me a little bit still about this team, and I feel like it's been a bit of the narrative for a couple of seasons in a row now to where there's a lot of guys stranded on base, certainly runners in scoring position, and I'd like to see that improve for the Cardinals. Yeah, you were 1-9 and nine 
last night, guys. The Cardinals were 1-9, Contreras 0-1, Arnado 0-2, Donovan 1, I should say 0-2. Donovan 1-3, for 3, Kisner 0-1, DeYoung 0-1, Burleson 0-1, and Burleson was the, 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 the end of the game. He was the pinch hitter. But when you look at runners in scoring position 1-9, one one for nine, that that's the difference between hey how can't you get how can't you score more than two runs when Tommy Edmond has another big night at the dish he goes three for four Arenado hits a home run the top of your lineup didn't do much but you know Newt Barr and Goldschmidt are hitting well Contreras his one hit was an absolute laser beam Weimer misplayed it but it was it was an absolute rocket but you look at it and you say okay these guys these guys are rolling right now why why only the two runs well, one offensively they've been good over the last week. But two, it's what Jamie's talking about, Michelle. You you go one for nine with runners in scoring position. That's the difference between, hey, some of these guys are really hitting well. What's what? Where's where's the issue? That's the issue. You're not capitalizing. And if you can't capitalize on that, you're going to go right back to where you were before you got on this hot streak. Certainly. That's something that they certainly need to self-correct. Do you guys find it interesting that they are having so much success with two outs? They're one of the better teams hitting with two outs, yet they do struggle with runners in scoring position. I find that odd. They're weird. They're, they're, this is just a weird team, especially offensively. The pitching, you can look at it and say, all right, we kind of had a sense. It wasn't going to be this bad, but we had a sense that the pitching could be the anchor, the bad anchor, not the not the good anchor. Let me specify. <laughs> could be a good anchor. Like an anchor that would make you – like. It would take you like down. To keep you in exactly. Place? Yeah, keep you in place. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I got you. You're really confusing our listeners. Yeah. Right now. Okay. Because um, an anchor feels like it's dragging you down. Yeah. But I get your yeah. point. You're trying to stay yeah. in one spot consistently. I mean, an anchor is also a good thing. Maybe the is pitching it? is dragging you down, though. <laughs> I mean, you know? the anchor. The, what's the what's the anchor's job? <laughs> keep you in place. Yeah, but what if he's holding you back from yeah. moving forward? Oh, there mm. you go. If you're a ship, that might be a good thing. Depends. Maybe I mean, you're trying to get home because you're hungry. You can't go anywhere. Yeah, the I mean, got you screwed. Are you a houseboat? Or, or do you have a destination in mind? Come okay, on, it depends right. on it's, the uh, beach. Anthony, you're the captain. Tell us. Let me, let me go. Let me go in another direction here. Why don't you try door number two. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Baseball. Cardinals. The offense is weird. It's just. It's just weird. You look at it and you say, this thing could be a houseboat, you know. But sometimes you release the anchor. Too soon, and then you're dragging the yeah, anchor. I'd let the anchor just go, man. Seriously, okay. just right. let it go. It's a bad comparison. It was really bad. Yeah. Okay. When you when you want it to be an engine rather than an anchor. Yeah. 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 You Driving. Know? Yeah. The boat you, forward. You a know swift what this propeller maybe? Yeah. You, anything. A paddle. Anything's better than a damn <laughs> an anchor, or? Michelle. I know. Yeah. It's Anthony. We, we're working with him here. This team sometimes drives with the emergency brake on, I think. You ever done that, by the way? Yeah, it stinks up the whole car. Yeah, I did that a long time ago when I was like 17. Had one of those manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. Had the emergency brake on. I was like, Wee! I'm like, what the hell is wrong with it? And all of a sudden, the smell like a son of a batch of biscuits. <laughs> That's the issue. I'm an idiot. Clunk. Son of a... Did you ever... Do you guys remember Mitch Hedberg, the comedian? The late, great Mitch Hedberg? Yes. He had a bit about the emergency brake, and he said, I'm going to screw it up because I'm not him. But he he said, uh, I was driving, I, I rented a car, and I was driving with the emergency brake on for 30 minutes. He goes, that doesn't say a lot, a lot about me. It also doesn't say much about the emergency brake, <laughs> which was good. All right, it's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. 212, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie, I appreciate the fake laugh on that. Yesterday. No, I, it was, was kind of real. Uh, Ish. 
Jamie, yesterday, you and I said, bring Matthew Libertor up. Just do it. That's just screw it. Let Wayno have another day and bring up Libertor. And we both agreed that Wayno would likely slide over and say, you know what? Let's bring the kid up. We, I don't care. Push me back a little bit. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. It's like we knew. It's like we knew. Matthew Libertor makes his debut tonight. Why now? And is this a tryout or have they kicked Steven Matz to the bullpen full time? What? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Michelle Smallman also filling in for Jamie, who's got to head out of here in two segments. Mike Matheny will join us at the bottom of the hour. So Mike Matheny, former Cardinals manager, longtime catcher. Great hair. Great, great set of great hair. Great hair. I'm, I'm honestly not even envious. I'm jealous and, and spiteful about his hair, but that's okay. I'll get over it. Jamie, thank you for expressing <laughs> your feelings and being uh, vulnerable with Michelle and I today. As well as the listeners. You guys are my safe place. Yeah. You know that. Absolutely. So, yeah, Mike Bethany is going to join us at 2.30. He's got his bobblehead night on Thursday, so tomorrow night, as the Cardinals set uh, open up a new series against the Dodgers. And we do have Bud Bash tickets to give away, a four-pack, following the Mike Matheny interview. So you want to make sure that you're locked in. We'll ask you a question, and you'll have an opportunity to go see the Cardinals and Dodgers if you win the tickets. But Matthew Libertor is the story of the day, because he was recalled last night from Memphis, and Jamie, you and I were talking about it yesterday. We said, hey, why don't you just bring up Libertor now? Have you seen enough of Steven Matz? And I don't even know if this is a direct Steven Matz comparison. Why do you him all the time? Why do you think... Why, you have him in your sights. Why now, guys? <laughs> why do you think Matthew Libertor is up now? Because they have a long stretch of baseball here. I think it's 14 days in a row, and... I think that Ollie's looked at his staff and said, you know what, haven't been great, they've been okay, uh, maybe an extra day's rest for all of them would be better, and maybe they can get past four innings then. I like the snark at the end there. So you're saying <laughs> you're saying that this is this is maybe a one-time thing. No, I think you'll get a couple of starts. I think you'll get a couple of starts. Well, and then if he outpitches somebody who doesn't improve, then I could see him taking the roster spot. Michelle, what do you think? Do you think that this is a tryout, or is he is he up? Is he here? Is he just, like Jamie suggested initially, somebody that can offer the rotation some rest? Where are you on this? Yes. Okay. To all of the above. <laughs> to all of the above. I, you're right, girl. Jamie. They have, they have a long stretch here. I think, it, what is it, 18 games in 18 days. It's going to be good to get the other guys in the rotation a bit of a beat so um, that they're ready to go. I also think... He is performing well, and they want to see what he can do back up at the major league level. Um, Ollie talked about how he impressed in spring training, and I think perhaps if there are other pitchers who um, maybe have opened the door for an opportunity, Matthew Libertor could kick it open. I think it's it's beneficial for them in many ways, including seeing what he can do and maybe what uh, what role he can assume moving forward. His velo with the fastball has been going from 96 to 98 this year. Where was it last year? Because I feel like everybody was concerned last year. Ah, the velo's not great and certainly wasn't locating the pitches the way he needed to. He's given up the long ball a lot. Now, in fairness, he's given up five home runs already this year down in AAA. 
he's also been a bit of a strikeout machine too. Yeah. So I don't know what version will be on the bump here for the Cardinals tonight. I'm hoping it's the one that's throwing 96 to 98 with some nasty stuff to get some strikeouts. If he pitches that way, he's he will force the Cardinals to keep him. I hope that's what happens. That's the best case scenario for a young player. Because he's come in, he's had some bumps in the road, and pitchers certainly, not all pitchers, just hit the majors and they're off and running with a great career. It takes some time. Sometimes there's some humble pie that has to happen. You're down the minors working some things out. From everybody who I've talked to and other people I've listened to, feels like he came to spring training this year with a different mindset. More confident, more ready, almost like, yeah, I know I can do this. I, I belong in the majors, just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And so far, his performance down in AAA baseball has shown that. So now's a great opportunity to to get him in here and against the team in the Brewers that are not good against left-handed pitching. They're terrible. I gave it to the Cardinals two days ago for setting a guy up for failure. I'm going to have to take that today and and praise them for setting him up for success tonight. That's that's, that's another... I asked why, why now? That's I think that's another reason, guys. I think they 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 say, look, if we're going to play the matchups with everybody else, why not play the matchups with the pitching staff? Not that Adam Wainwright couldn't handle Milwaukee tonight, but if you move Wayno to the Dodgers game one of the Dodgers series and you set Libertor up to face a team that again has struggled big time against lefties, it just makes a lot of sense. Jamie, you brought up the velocity for Matthew Libertor and where is it? Where was it a year ago? That's, that could be an indication of an injury. Could be an ind- indication of a issue with his his delivery or his mechanics. Maybe he wasn't using his lower half. Whatever it is, they have unlocked something with Matthew Libertor. I hope that he realizes that he's got an opportunity here to kick in the door and stay here for a while. I don't care, quite frankly, who he replaces at this point. This team needs to upgrade. They need to upgrade in the starting rotation. You don't have anybody available right now on the outsides outside of uh, the, a shell of, of, his, of his former self, Madison Bumgarner. Like the, you can sign the corpse of Mad- Madison Bumgarner, or <laughs> you can bring up somebody internally, like a Matthew Libertor, who earned this opportunity. So I, I hope that Matthew Libertor deals tonight and makes it real difficult for Mo and Ollie to send him back down, Michelle. Also, it could be some good pub for the Cardinals, right? Um, this is their top pitching prospect. We know that he is famously the guy that they, they wanted so badly that they moved Randy Rosarena for him. He He's a young, exciting talent. If he were to come up tonight against the Brewers, no less, and have success, and that they could plug him in, and maybe he's part of the catalyst in this pitching staff that helps them moving forward, that's some good PR for the Cardinals, who frankly could use it right about now, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Would you say that? I'm just saying, guys. Not a bad headline, right? <laughs> not no, at all. No, not at all. One thing I'll add to this, too, is you better believe that Matthew Libertor knows exactly what's at stake here. As an athlete, especially a young athlete, when you see a position that you play that is struggling or that the team desperately needs help with said position and you're a guy that can help, you know it. Like, this is go time for Matthew Libertor. This is his moment to come up here and take a spot and then potentially never give it back for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. It's time for the Cardinals, too, based on where they are in the standings, based on how they've played, based on how the starting staff has performed. I know it's been much better recently. But this is an opportunity for the Cardinals front office to also say, hey, we need to turn this around immediately and not just continue to be the do the be patient thing or play the play the contract. You have to move. You have to move forward here. If your margin for error, like it is right now, is razor thin, 
in the April performance set you back. You can have a bad month in baseball. Typically, you would re- you'd rather have it in like June or July as opposed to April, where you start off slow and everybody's questioning everything. But you can have a bad month in baseball, but your margin for error now becomes decreased, and that's that's where the Cardinals are. So whether it's Mats or it's Flaherty or whoever, you this this is this is a moment for the front office too to say we want to improve our ball club. Yeah, I think it's it's actually really interesting timing for them because they are acting with a sense of urgency and giving Libertor this opportunity to see if he can kick the door open. But also, they're in the basement of the division, so they really have nothing to lose. You, you know what I mean? It's, sure. it's almost as if their position in the standing allows them to take more risk. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Very true. That, their position in the standings and their performance of certain pitchers allows them to say, screw it, let's give the kid a chance. Because if the pitching was just meh, okay, mid, Anthony, as mid. the kids say oh, these yeah. days. Yes, mid. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's if, right. Uh, the pitching was just mid, the Cardinals may not make this move. They'd be like, well, you know, whatever. Well, defense first, we'll, we'll be okay. Yeah. But it hasn't been. It's been way below that, especially Steven Matz. So this is a great opportunity for the Cardinals to see what they have in Libertor, and it's a fantastic opportunity for him, the athlete, to take advantage of it. That's Jamie Rivers. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow night, bobblehead night for Mike Matheny. He's going to join us next. We'll talk to the former Cardinal skipper about what he's up to now. He's going to participate in the Home Run Derby, the O'Fallon Hoots Home Run Derby, next early next month. I, hope, hopefully he's getting the swing, the timing back. Well, I want to find out what he's been doing. Like, he can't just step off the porch and be like, oh, give me a bat for a home run derby. No, it's tough. He's, he's got in a, good shape, so I imagine he's shape. still swinging it. But Great hair, great shape. Look yeah. Him. All right. Jealous. We'll talk to Mike next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Michelle Smallman of ESPN Radio. I'm Anthony Stalter. 
Tomorrow night, Cardinals, Dodgers. We have your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to the Budweiser Bash for that game. It's also limited edition Mike Matheny bobblehead night, and the former Cardinals skipper now joins us. How you doing, Mike? Thank you so much for joining us. Doing great, guys. Thank you. Mike, good to hear from you. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, last night via text, but Katie, uh, a mother now, I believe you said she just had her second child. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, she's uh, she's a terrific mother, and uh, it's fun to watch her uh, now take over those parenting duties. <laughs> Have you given her any advice yet, or are you just going to wait till she starts asking questions? You know, she's very wise, and she goes to her mother for that advice. <laughs> and, uh, Obviously, you guys you guys uh, raised her well. Then that's for sure. Uh, Mike is somebody that will probably never have a bobblehead night. What's it What's it like? What's What's it like knowing that you're gonna have your own bobblehead tomorrow night? You know, I've um, I've been fortunate. I'll never forget the first one that, that came out. Um, I think it must have been during the '01 season after um, I was able to win uh, a gold glove, and so they did a. Um, a, a bobblehead in, in honor of that, which was a huge deal for me. But I'll never forget McGuire was sitting next to me, and for some reason, they um, they made this bobblehead with me extremely jacked. <laughs> I, got, I got muscles popping out all over the place, and McGuire just had one, and they made him look really dumpy. And <laughs> he was he was so mad at me, like I was the one that designed both of them. But uh, yeah. I I, uh, I I show uh, I show that one to my kids and make sure they remember that uh, or whoever designed that did me a huge favor and made me look a whole lot more ripped than what I actually am. Somebody at the bobblehead making factory is like, I don't like that McGuire. I watch this. That's incredible. Have you seen Have you seen tomorrow tomorrow night's bobblehead? I have I haven't seen it yet. Um, but yeah, what what a cool deal. Um, you know when the the Cardinals. Um, contacted me uh, was Larry State and Joe Pfeiffer with the alumni group, and they mentioned what they'd like to do. And they, they actually, I think they even verbalized it as, "Hey, we'd like to invite you back into the family." And I'm like, "Well, first of all, who kicks family out?" Um, but that's kind of uh, <laughs> that's kind of our business, right? Same with the hockey world. But um, it, it was a, it was a great run here, um, and, and you know, this was home. We raised our kids here. We spent 30 years of our life, Kristen has spent 50 of her years here and it is a great place to call home and a great place to raise our kids and i i had an idea it was going to be a really good place to play i had no idea how good and it was a a, a great uh, run and uh, we enjoyed every minute of it as a player let alone the the gift of being able to manage a club here as well and the place that we called our home it was something that um is, is so special it's hard to put into words well, Mike, you're always in the St. Louis and the Cardinals family and the 101 ESPN family. We always love having you on. But I'm looking at the bobblehead right now. I actually just pulled it up online. It, it looks great. Um, but you have your catcher's mitt over your head. And before you joined us, Jamie was saying that he's really jealous of your hair, that you have unbelievable <laughs> flow. Are you bummed out that they didn't have your hair prominent in this year's bobblehead? You know what? I, I couldn't hear all of that. Um, but it had something to do with hair. And, You've got um, great hair, Mike. I'm so jealous. Jamie's jealous. The bottom so line, Jamie's jealous. jealous. No, no, no. Mike has the it's, hockey it's, hair I wish I still had. You know what? It's um, it's smoke and mirrors, man. It's, uh, and, and I think that's part of it. And I sh- they should have told me this before I started managing, that it was going to uh, 
fall out in clumps every time you walk by a sink. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's just management at this point. But that's all right, man. When you got we have our sixth grandbaby on the way, there's no sense in even trying to act or pretend like you're cool anymore. Um, and Kristen now has been in for 30 years, so she's in for the long haul. And, uh, so we're just trying to manage what uh, what hair's left. But yeah, they uh, they've, they've done me pretty good in the past with some of those bobbleheads. Yeah, I'm at the point where I've kind of thrown in the towel. I'm like a, like a fairway keeper where I just kind of you know, try to patch up wherever the holes are, make it look better than it actually is, Mike. You know, just a daily battle, yeah, that's all. It's a skill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, look, I'd be remiss not to talk to you a little bit about baseball while we have you on here. You just mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, just gold glove catcher, and you had such an amazing career as a player. Uh, you know, a lot – of news here recently in St. Louis. We, we talk, I'm sure you've heard the Wilson Contreras catching, not catching, the preparation, the work that goes into it. While, while we have you on the air, just not so much Wilson Contreras, but just yourself personally, what did your preparation look like when you were catching? You know, that was probably the only thing I ever helped Yachty with. Um, I got a lot of credit for helping him more than what I actually did. His dad and his brothers completely prepared him, and he's just gifted. And and he was always going to be somebody that was a, a, a learner. Um, but catching for Tony LaRusso and for Dave Duncan was a whole different skill set. And I was fortunate that I, I had that high-level demand. Even when I came up with the Milwaukee Brewers, Phil Garner was extremely hard on his catchers. And uh, there's just a, an accountability that goes along with having a reason, having a why for every signal that you put down there. It's not random um, fingers that you're throwing down. But a lot of that is uh, is perception as much as anything else. It's giving giving the, the, the pitcher a sense that, yes, I've done my homework. Yes, I'm using my instincts. And I've got a great I- idea where we need to go right now. And when you have a doubt, uh, go ahead and use your instincts, and I won't let you make a mistake. I think that's one of the best things that you can teach a young pitcher is you 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 throw your game, you pitch your game, but when you get into a tight spot, I'm not going to let you do anything stupid. And and some of that just takes time. And, and to be honest, uh, people get spoiled having a Yachty Molina behind the plate where they don't have to think. And then if the wheels start to fall off, it, it's uh, an easy place an easy place to go if you don't have the rapport. Plus, there's just not that sense of security from having gone through so many different successes and failures and trials um and yadi's reputation preceded him it it was a even though wilson's had a lot of um experience and a lot of success uh yadi's a different animal and so i I always try and encourage um whenever somebody's stepping into one of those spots because coming in to manage right on the heels of tony la russa the worst thing that i could have done was tried to be a second-rate version of tony and the same thing goes for anybody that comes in to catch for the St. Louis Cardinals after Yadier Molina, but in time uh, they're going to they're going to get it figured out. But you know what? In this business, um, it's not we're not patient. It, it just has to happen, especially in a market like this. It's always wired and built to win, and they expect it to happen right out of the gate. So, Mike, as a catcher coming into a new organization, and, and you went from the Brewers to the Cardinals, and certainly, you know, there's growing pains immediately because you have to get used to. The staff, the pitchers, everything involved, the way they do their business. So for a guy like Wilson Contreras, a veteran guy coming into a new team, the Cardinals, a historic franchise, you know, how hard is it for a guy like that to come in, build those relationships up in a very short period of time during spring training where there was a WBC going on at the same time? 
You know, how hard is it for him to come in and gain their confidence at the same time, too? Yeah, the WBC is a big deal, and, and I thought Major League Baseball done a great job. I wasn't that sold on it, the idea from the beginning, but watching how it played out this year, it's fantastic and so well done, and, and it just really played out well, showcased uh, talent from all over the world. But it does take away from that ability uh, to build those relationships, and I don't care what relationship you're talking about. It's uh, the, the one staple that has to be there is trust, and that normally happens. That's not something you can force – uh, by experience, it's not something you can force the reputation. Uh, it's only going to happen through through time, and you need that time to kind of build that, to understand each other, to begin those conversations. That was that's really what I loved uh, most about the catching position was just how much of that was relational. And it's a good thing for me; it, it didn't take as much talent. It just took your time and effort. You just go out and spend time with your pitchers, and they're they're going to tell you everything that they want to know, uh, everything they want you to know, and so. Uh, I, I believe that that's still going to still going to happen, and we also have a lot of technology that it's going to help that that learning curve. There's so much out there now uh, to where we can get the information of how the game, and we're actually able to. What at one time was really subjective with game calling, and now it's, it's a whole lot easier to track. And I think those adjustments are going to happen in time. Um, but you know, Wilson, I always said I thought he was one of the most talented young catchers when he came up. Um, always impressed with how he went about it, and I know he's a sharp guy that loves to win. And those things are going to—they're going to figure themselves out in time. Mike, you talked about how it was so relational and how you used that to your advantage during your career. Was there ever a time during your career where you were maybe out of sync with the pitcher? And if so, how were you able to find that rhythm again? I'm sorry, guys. Could you repeat that for me? I can't hear her. Uh, no problem, Mike. Uh, Michelle was asking about if there's a time where maybe you fell out of sync with a, with a pitcher and how you were able to regather that, recoup that, so that you can uh, get back on the same page and get in sync with your with your pitcher. Yeah, sorry, Michelle. I my was, tec- technical difficulties on this. No, side, Mike, but, that was, um, our, that was know, on our that was on our board. That's our fault. Sorry, Anthony's fault. Was, yeah, I'll, take the, I'll <laughs> take the blame, Mike. I'll take the blame on that. It's my fault. Just when in doubt, blame me. Thing, that thing does it happens all the time, and it can happen from game to game where you, you're just clicking and everything's right, and then a lot of it comes down to also you know part of the wiring of a of a catcher is taking the blame uh, sometimes when it's not your fault like, <laughs> um but it's also uh, that's part of the beauty of the position is trying to take some of that pressure and that's that's part of how you you build that rapport and you know and I know um that's always going to be be the case for the guys who catch for a long period of time they're just going to say hey i got to be better at this and the way you do that is you just you just keep jumping in you keep diving in you keep going through those pregame video sessions you keep going through all the data you try to find some some uh some sort of advantage of okay how do we better use we use the, the analytical people to give us a better game plan of how to go about using certain pitches which ones are we not maximizing certain counts and, and I think the more time you, you spend with your staff, the more – and for me, one of the greatest things was being able to sit next to them during a game and even between at-bats, you know, what are you thinking here? Or, or what, what was your thought process in here? I went to this spot, but you shook me off. Tell me what you want. And then you got to have uh, enough intelligence to be able to process it and, and to be able to then repeat it and – try to retain the things that make these guys good. Once again, they're going to give you the blueprint. You ask them enough questions, 
they're going to guide you to, to what is going to allow them to be the most successful. How, how do you want me to treat you? And you're going to treat them all differently. And they're going to respond over time, but it just, once again, it does take time. That's uh, great. That's I mean, great that's stuff. great stuff, Mike. Um, before I let you go, though, I want to, I got to check with you a little bit here because you got the home run derby coming up. Now, Anthony and I will be participating in the home run derby, too. Not against you. We're going to be hitting softballs, and we'll be hitting them from second base, and we'll feel really good about ourselves. Um, Hopefully. But yourself, I mean, last year I did it, and, you know, I try to keep myself in okay shape, Mike. But uh, nonetheless, the next day I felt a little bit of uh, the obliques were a little bit sore. Have you been working on your swing at all? Well, let's um, let's go back into the archives and realize I had a very, very ugly swing back when they paid me to have one. <laughs> um, so I'm going to figure out how to get a second base and hit softballs. But I haven't, I haven't picked up a bat in a long time. Actually, I hadn't thrown a ball in six months until um, my son-in-law grabbed one the other day and told me I better at least be able to get it to home plate when I throw out the first pitch tomorrow. But oh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that home run derby because I'm just going to let it eat, and I'll probably pay for a couple weeks after. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the next day, Mike. Jamie's right. Uh, the muscles you, you, had, oh, yeah. you haven't been using in a while, they, they start to scream at you the next day. Uh, Mike, we, we really appreciate it. We've loved having you on today. Thank you so much. Enjoy the night tomorrow night, and Jamie and I will see you in a couple of weeks at the O'Fallon Hoots Stadium for the home run derby. I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for the time. Y'all take care. You Thanks too. a lot, Thank Mike. You, Say Mike. hi to Katie for me. Oh, will do. Thanks. All right. Thank you. That's Mike Matheny, former Cardinal skipper, of course, former Royals skipper, and uh, one of the best, if not the best, defensive catchers that uh, you're going to see. And I'm sure he'll tell you it's Yachty, and, and he's so humble when you start talking about Yachty and, and what he was, you know, he said he, he Mike said, I, I got a lot of credit for uh, imparting wisdom on Yachty. Yachty was just from his yeah. dad to his his brothers to just the natural born gift that Yachty had, I didn't have to do much. But I think he's just being humble. I think oh, Yachty. Yeah. I'm sure Mike helped Yachty immensely. Well, you, you're a Gold Glove catcher, and you're molding the next guy to take your spot. There's there's some some heaviness to that. Certainly. So whether he takes credit for it or not is one thing. But I'll say this, and I don't know if I can speak for all of us, Michelle, but. That is the most and best information we have gotten regarding the catcher position since this whole Contreras thing started. Yeah, well said. Nobody else was able to give us what Mike Matheny just gave us. No. But, I, I mean, mean, I know he's a catcher. Su- it's not surprising, but yeah, you're right. But we talked to a lot of people, Anthony, and there were other catchers that were on these airwaves that mm-hmm. did not give information like that. So that was incredible. It was a great list, and um, hopefully everybody got a chance to hear that. And if not, you can download the podcast after the show at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app. So you can download it, listen to it, uh, the, the whole interview that we had with Mike Matheny, who, again, it's a bobblehead night tomorrow night. And uh, our apologies to Michelle. We didn't have the same, We didn't have the, the right thing potted up here on the board. So, unfortunately, Mike couldn't hear your question. But he was even polite about that, too. I mean, he's just, just a nice human being, that Mike Matheny. Well, Anthony, thank you for relaying it to him because we got some great information out of him. I, I loved everything he said about when he, uh, at times in his career, would potentially fall out of sync with a, with a pitcher and how he got it back and, um, you know, just that attention to detail and pursuit of that relationship and gaining that trust. That was really great stuff from Mike Matheny. Absolutely. That's Michelle Smallman. She's going to be with me until 6 o'clock because Jamie's got to get out of here. But we we do have to give out some 
Tickets to tomorrow night's Budweiser Bash, Cardinals, Dodgers. We have your chance right now to win a four-pack, the last four-pack of tickets. It's this week's Budweiser Bash game featuring the limited edition Mike Matheny bobblehead. We just talked to Mike about the bobblehead. Speaking of which, he had a bobblehead that came out in his playing days with the Cardinals, and one of his former teammates, he shared the story, that one of his former teammates was not happy about the way Mike Matheny's bobblehead came out because he felt as though that he got slighted. What teammate was a little angry with Mike Matheny at the way his bobblehead came out compared to his? If you have the correct answer, if you're listening earlier, it's an easy one. It should be a layup. If you have the correct answer... Text in to 314-399-9646. That's your Comfort Service text line. If you're the 101st texter, you're going to have an opportunity to go see Cardinals-Dodgers with that four-pack of tickets to tomorrow night's Budweiser Bash game for the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Jamie, we'll see you, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Jamie Rivers will be back tomorrow. Michelle with me until 6 o'clock. Let's talk a little uh, football. Football, Michelle. Can City SC get off the struggle bus? We'll talk to Michelle, who's got a podcast with Moon uh, on soccer, all things soccer. So we'll, we'll break down that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, who is filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Michelle, no better person to talk to about City SC right now than you. You got the podcast with Moon on 101 ESPN. And unfortunately for our City SC, they're, they're, they're struggling right now. They lose 1-0 to Chicago last week. And this is coming off the heels of the loss to Portland, 2-1, to and the draw to Colorado. The last time that... City SC won was that night at City Park against Cincinnati when they hung uh, a five burger on the board following the rain delay and it was mm-hmm. just it was just an onslaught at that point. Then again, the draw to Colorado, the loss to Portland, the one nil loss to Chicago. You know soccer. I, I don't, Michelle. When you're watching this team over the last couple of weeks, is it something that City? isn't doing is it something that the opponents are forcing them or is it just simply we see that the loss of klaus has has caught up to city what is it i think it's mostly the latter anthony klaus is such a weapon for this team and has been such an offensive force and a huge piece of the puzzle and i think without him out on the pitch you're you're seeing them trying to adapt without him um i think that that certainly is the biggest part of this and can't be overlooked but City plays such an attacking, pressing style, and it just feels like in the in the past few weeks and in these losses that they're not creating those opportunities, that you're, you're not seeing them put their foot on the gas offensively like we saw them do earlier in the season. Taylor Twellman, one of the finest athletes to come out of the, this area, St. Louis, uh, and you know Taylor very well from his time at ESPN Radio, he joined the balloon party with Tim McKernan and Action Jackson yesterday, and he talked about how this city's expectations and maybe how that's factoring in right now. We knew this was going to rear its head. It's an expansion year. I think some of the players may have read the headlines too soon, you know, winning the first five games of the franchise history in Major League Soccer. Uh, Because when you look at the roster and what it was, all the expectations, I'm not saying they were the worst team in the league, bar none, but the expectations were not that they were going to have more goals than anyone else, more points than anyone else six games into the year. 
and yet there they were, and yet some of the players, I think, have maybe read the headlines and not gotten back uh, to what made them so successful early on. And I think St. Louis City fans should be alarmed a little bit because this is not uh, what they saw in the first four or five games, and quite frankly, uh, the last six games hasn't been nearly as good as it should be. I wonder, Michelle, if this was just if this is also just the natural ebb and flow that you see for any team, let alone an expansion team, but for any team. You come in, you've got expectations yourself. Maybe the your style or some of the athletes that opponents weren't prepared for. Like Klaus, I don't think I don't think a lot of the opponents were were, were necessarily prepared for the way that Klaus plays. And you saw opponents tried to almost suffocate him in front of the net and that that created other scoring opportunities for for other players early in the season but then as opponents started to adjust as the schedule got harder I think we're in a moment we're in a point in the season now where this is a natural we have to transition we now have to make adjustments it looks like and again you would know better than I would Michelle it looks like opponents are saying okay we're gonna sit back we're going to allow you to make the mistakes because opponents were making the mistakes early on against City. We're going to let you make the mistakes. And as soon as you do, we're going to have numbers going the other way and create those scoring chances for us. And we're going to make it incredibly difficult to score on us because we're just going to keep everybody back. I don't know what the terminology is on that, Michelle, but it's it's basically, you know, hey, let's play great. Let's play great defense. We'll wait for you to turn the ball over and then we'll score ourselves. It seems like this is what's going on right now. And it's led to some lower scoring games, too. Well, because the book is out, right? Right. Uh, on what they do stylistically, what this team is. And I I think you and Taylor are, both have interesting points there. At the beginning of the season, not only were the expectations basically non-existent for this team because no one knew what to expect out right. of a brand new group of players playing together for the first time, I think that that plays into the way opponents maybe perceived them and prepared for them. So I think opponents are viewing them as more of a threat they have tape on this team now you're missing arguably your most important player out on the pitch at least from a scoring perspective and klaus uh so all of those factors are not going to work in your favor if you're city and i think it's human nature when you have success to maybe sit back on your heels a little bit and if you are playing together for the first time as a group even though you had historic success to start out the season there is inherently going to be challenges and you're going to have to figure out how to how to overcome them and how to get get past what they're dealing with now but i do think that that may be having a lot of success out of the gate maybe um maybe changed the way the team viewed themselves and i don't know if that's necessarily if that is an alignment with what their ethos is you know what i mean like that pressing play that pushing play so they just need to get back to who they are and and who who they are from an identity standpoint but that's going to be hard to do without Klaus. Well, let's be honest honest too michelle this is a team that that could view itself as the underdog because that's what it was mm-hmm. and it's fun to play the underdog and it's and galvanizing absolutely nobody believes in us you, you play right. you could play that card and then when the season comes out and you're winning games all of a sudden you can't be the underdog if you're in first or second and and you're you're beating teams and your 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 expectations have to naturally rise that's michelle smallman you could check out soccer 101 on 101 espn moon and michelle do a great job moon from our sister station 1057 the point uh, is on the podcast as well and a happy happy heavenly birthday to jeff burton
Absolutely. Jeff, Jeff, um, I believe would have been, I think, 56 today. I'll look that up. But uh, we miss Jeff dearly. Uh, dear friend to us here on 101 ESPN. We'd, we had so many collaborations with uh, Jeff and The Point. And if you listen to St. Louis Radio f- for the last two decades, you you became not only you, – you knew who Jeff was, but you loved him and you adored him. And I saw – I saw a post. I think it was on Facebook. Maybe it was. Maybe it was Instagram that said, you know, Jeff. Jeff was somebody that always treated people incredibly well, and that's that's who he was. He he might have a a, a joke that left you not only in stitches, but you look down. and You're like, wow, that was a good one. You got me good. Uh, but Jeff always wanted to know how you were doing. Cared about people, and like I said, I miss Jeff dearly. I do as well. Jeff was one of one. He was such a special person. And you're right. He made everybody feel great. And that is part of his lasting legacy. I, I'll never forget. He would pop into the studio when I was on the morning show and be like, hey, I was just walking down the hallway and I heard you say this about the blues. That was an awesome point. Great job. And you're like, wow, Jeff Burton just Jeff, came in and oh, said yeah. I made a great point. That's amazing. Or you're walking down the hall and he makes a joke and you kind of give him like a ha ha. And then an hour later, you realize how funny you. it was because yeah. it was so sharp <laughs> and so witty that it was over your head. And it took me sometimes a while to process some of the jokes because he was just so far beyond everyone else when it came to wit and humor. But we miss you, Jeff. We miss you every day. No doubt. So again, happy heavenly birthday to Jeff Burton. He Again, he would have been 56 years old uh, today, gone way, way too too soon but we're thinking about uh, Jeff's family thinking about his friends today so again happy birthday to Jeff Burton the everyday catcher we just got done talking to Mike Matheny about the the role of the everyday catcher Ali Marmel said that Contreras would be the everyday catcher moving forward but then didn't have him catch yesterday how is that why one why is that two is it even is it a big deal we'll get into that next on 101 ESPN Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. 306, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Quick pivot to what's trending. We will get into the conversation about the everyday catcher. What's it mean that Wilson Contreras didn't start last night, despite Ollie saying, yeah, he's our everyday catcher now. But we wanted to get what's get into what's trending because, Marsh, we know what the subsequent moves are now with Matthew Libertor coming up to make his season debut for the Cardinals against the Brewers. Yeah, so Matthew Libertor, of course, been recalled from Memphis. Oscar Mercado has been selected from Memphis. Now, this just came out on the Cardinals' Twitter, but uh, some of the insiders around town were mentioning that Oscar Mercado was most likely heading up to the big club. James Nail has been optioned to Memphis. Dylan Carlson, like we expected, he was placed on the 10-day IL, which is retroactive to the 15th. And Packy Naughton has been moved to the 60-day IL. So those are the moves today. We should expect the lineup to be coming out soon. So everybody stay tuned for that as well. Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. Michelle, I'm really interested with with Dylan Carlson moving to the 10-day IL. Mm -hmm. If you listen to John Denton, and John was just giving his opinion when asked. He was on BK and Ferrario earlier today or Derek Gould, or any of the people that cover the Cardinals and do a tremendous job, whenever asked about Dylan Carlson, it's like, no, he's kind of trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I don't, we, we don't know if he's going to be on the IL. 
So now that he is on the injured list, I wonder if tonight is just a matter of let's let's give Matthew Libertor a start. He's deserved. He's earned it. You know, he was the pitcher of the week or month. You know, for the for the the Redbirds. Let's let's give him a chance. We'll push everybody back. A lot of games coming up, and then when Dylan Carlson is ready to come off the IL. What we'll just send Libertor back. I hope that's not the case, and I hope that Libertor changes everybody's mind. But this move, I don't know, kind of signals that to me. Of course, it's a pitcher for an outfielder, so right. it doesn't match up necessarily. But that's where my head's at. So you think it's pending Libertor's per- performance tonight? I I wonder if a lot is hanging in the balance. Yes, hmm. for for Libertor, you can always move. Mercado, you know, Oscar Mercado back down to the the minors and and pick up a, another reliever, but with the way that Steven Matz is pitched, he's really only had one decent performance, and then everything else has either been bad or meh. I I hope maybe this is just me hoping, but I hope that the Cardinals front office is looking at this as a way to internally upgrade the, a starting rotation that has not been good, and, and certainly putting, not not good I'm, enough. And putting Libertor in a position to succeed. Yes. Tonight, you know, versus a team that does not have success against lefties, it also gives your the other guys in your rotation an opportunity to take a little bit more of a beat considering the schedule that lies ahead. Yeah, hopefully it's just them putting Matthew Libertor in the best possible position to have success. Certainly. And I imagine if he's your, if he's such a highly touted prospect, he is hopefully a huge piece of your future. You want to put him in the best position to succeed. Plus, I don't know how you feel, but I was okay with the Cardinals being patient with Matthew Libertor, not trying to answer for the Randy or Rosarina success by saying, okay, well, look, look over here, look who we got, when he yeah. wasn't ready. And he wasn't ready a year ago. I thought it was smart to give him some, you know, give him the cup of coffee. I don't know how many starts he had a, a year ago, but it didn't look like he was ready last year. So they, just like any player, they gave him instructions for winter ball and the offseason and say, this is where we want you to be when you show up to spring training and he shows up to spring training and he pitched well didn't make the team but then they give him something to work on at memphis this is where we want you to be and then you'll you'll be up here and he did that so i like the process here but i also am now to the point where i'm like let's go come on he's 24 he's he's still i mean the the, really a player's prime is anywhere from you know 26 to about 30 31 but I think we're, I think it's time for Matthew Libertor to maybe take that next step and kick in that door and have an opportunity to be in this rotation next year because there's there's three spots available at least. Okay, so last season seven starts, um, five point nine seven ERA, thirty four and two thirds innings. So not great. But yeah. now we have an opportunity Nine times to see how much how much has changed from a year ago. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he does. And as far as Oscar Mercado goes, he had a, he had a, a he flashed in spring training. He's somebody that's got a lot of power, but he's kind of been bounced around a little bit. You know, he's with Cleveland for for a little while. I think he was with Philly. He was in Philly's organiz, the, the Phillies organization for um, a part of 2022, and now with the Cardinals, and he did. He impressed in spring training. I don't know how much of an opportunity, but maybe we'll get a chance to see his power on display as well. It's interesting that so many young players are having opportunities at this point in the season to, to assert themselves. Yeah, you didn't think we didn't think it was going to happen this soon. 
No. But it's by necessity at this point. All right, that's Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. We're going to talk to Trey Watson coming up next. He's Trey Watson, linebacker for the Battlehawks. He's also the brother of Christian Watson, the wide receiver for the Packers. So we'll talk to Trey about his season. He's got a charity going on right now, too, that we'd love to talk to him about. And then we'll get some some Green Bay Packers questions in as well. Trey Watson of the Battlehawks next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Trey Watson, linebacker for the Battlehawks, now joining us. He has a charity that we're going to ask Trey about, and, and we'll give you the information on it. So if you want to donate to Trey Watson, St. Louis Battlehawk Cleat Auction, we'll give you uh, the details in a couple of minutes. But first and foremost, Trey, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm doing great, though. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, Trey. We appreciate it. I, we got to ask you, how difficult – first of all, did you watch the playoffs at all? Did you watch the championship game, or was it a situation where you didn't you, you didn't want to even bother with it after after you guys failed to make it? Oh, no, I had to watch it. I mean, it's, it, it's definitely agonizing to watch, knowing the circumstances of us being left out, but had to watch it. Um was pretty surprised to see Arlington do what they did uh, along the way, uh, especially beating D.C. Uh, but, you know, it, anything can happen, especially you get into the playoffs. It's, uh, it's win or die, and, and Arlington came through out there. No, you try. You're absolutely right. I thought it was a foregone conclusion too, though, with the way that and and you guys played uh, DC tough, but it, obviously they, you know, you guys came up short a couple of times. But that that DC team looked like uh, they they were going to be a locomotive. When it came to you guys, though, if you did have that opportunity facing them a third time, did you guys feel confident that you had the game plan? You know, if you again, if you did face them a third time, uh, that you could slow down that dynamic running game. Yeah, I think I think we had a had a good chance to do so. For one, it's hard to beat any team three times. Um, I think even it, it's hard to do it twice. Um, but we did play, you know, twice in three weeks during the, you know early on in the season, and we we really just felt like we shot ourselves in the foot more so than anything. Now, obviously, at the end of the day, you have to give credit to you know a team for taking advantage of opportunities and making plays. But, you know, the first time we played them, we, we spot them a 14-0 lead within, like, the first, what, three to four minutes um, with the big pass and then the, the pick six. And then, there's, you know, the second time around, we give up 14 points and 160 yards rushing on two plays. Outside of that, we felt like we, we performed really well um, in both of those games and just had some lapses that, that set us back, um, you know, from being where we needed to be. And uh, against good teams that take advantage of every opportunity, you, you can't do that. And that was that was the difference. But, um, you know, if we had the chance, we definitely felt confident about being able to get things done. Trey, what was the message from Coach Beck at the end of the season? Um, you know, he was he was just thankful. I mean, he was he was disappointed as all of us were. Um, it was an unfortunate way for a, for a great season to end. Um, you know, being seven and three and being best record in the league, that part hurt. Um, but other than that, man, I mean, you know, he was just appreciative of the, the time we were able to, you know, 
spend together as a team, what we what we were able to accomplish in his first year being a, a head football coach, especially at the professional level. Um, and he, you know, he wished everyone the best, and you know, said that hey, whatever whatever he could do to help guys moving forward, whether it was you know NFL opportunities or coming back next year or even just in life in general, um, you know, he made sure that we knew he was in our corner and, uh, you know, that's much appreciated. Well, Trey, of course I have to ask you about the fans because in St. Louis, we love the Battle Hawks. It was, it was a mutual love between your team and our city. But what was it like for you? You played in Dallas in, in 2020. What was it like for you to come to St. Louis and, and feel the energy, the anticipation and the excitement from the fans? It was it was awesome. It was it was a special experience. I think in 2020, I, I saw it from afar. Um, I saw how the how the fans were, and then I felt the anticipation leading up to this season, and knowing that I was going to get get a chance to experience it firsthand. Um, I was really excited, and I think each and every week, and especially in the home games, um, that love and passion was felt in a in a very big way, and it was it was incredible to see. I think you know that. Sometimes in, in the spring football league, that part can get lost um, just in terms of the fan bases aren't always as well built. Obviously, you know, the, the league coming and going and coming and going and things like that. That part, you know, you just don't always have. But uh, St. Louis makes up for that in the biggest of ways, and, and that is much appreciated. Trey Watson, Battlehawks linebacker, joining us right now in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Trey, your your dad, Tim Watson, played in the NFL, and of course your brother, Christian, plays for the, the Green Bay Packers. What was it like watching Christian catch passes last year from Aaron Rodgers? It was an incredible experience uh, for, for our entire family. I think growing up, I was always just sitting here knowing that, that Christian had, uh, you know, talent that is beyond even some of the, the best individuals at the highest level as, as we saw him exhibit uh, this past fall. So it was, you know, just a culmination of everything he's worked for his, his whole life, and it was a, a pleasure and a joy for all of us to watch, you know, it, it come to fruition. Obviously he had some bumps early, um, but, you know, that that's part of it, being a young, inexperienced guy. But it was it was pretty incredible to see each and every week him grow that confidence and him make those plays that you know only so many people on this earth are capable of making. Trey, you're doing great stuff uh, in the charity space. You are raising some money for the Matthew Dickey's Boys and Girls Club. You could bid on four different sets of custom cleats that you wore during Battlehawks games this season. Uh, the bidding began on Monday. The auctions are going to be open until next Friday, May 26th at 4 p.m. Central Time. And I have the cleats up here, Trey. And these are some fresh shoes okay so you got to take me through how you decided which what you wanted your cleats to look like before every game if these are custom take me through the process of making them yeah absolutely so it was it was a really unique process and you know it's pretty cool because wearing shoes and you know nice jordans and nikes and things like that that's that's a big passion of mine outside of the football world um and fortunately, uh, a St. Louis area artist, his name is Brock Seals, he reached out to me on social media uh, right before our first home game, and he asked me, could he make a pair of cleats for me? Um, and, you know, I didn't, didn't know who he was, had no idea if it was, you know, even like a legitimate thing. And, you know, I figured, okay, I'll send him a pair, see what happens. And it, obviously it turned into this great relationship where he was able to make all these different cleats for me. But 
those four that I picked, they were, you know, some really popular styles, some shoes that I wish I could get in real life, but I can't afford like the, the Dior inspired pair there. They're talking about, you know, five, ten thousand dollars for a pair of shoes. Um, and some were just a mix between, you know, our Battlehawks colors and, and, you know, big Kobe Bryant fan. So I was able to get the Kobe pair for our last home game. Um, like I said, I wear a ton of Nikes and Jordans, So that's where the, the Travis Scott uh, inspired pair. And then the first pair was uh, based on some off-white Air Force Ones. So that, that's all it was, was just, you know, blending my, my affinity and love for shoes, um, you know, with Battlehawks theme and, and being able to express it each and every week and, and look pretty good. I, I'm digging the, the Battlehawk themed Nikes. You got the the, the Battlehawk wings on the on the one. I think I think those are great. Uh, but what what's even more special, as Michelle mentioned, is th- this is to benefit the Matthews Dickey Boys and Girls Club of St. Louis Youth Football. Uh, and Trey, for somebody like you that had football in your life forever, what's it what's it mean to you to give back to uh, a a club in this case, the Matthews Dickey Boys and Girls Club, that is going to uh, you know continue to try to to promote football through our youth. You know, that, that's just what it's all about. Like, we, we're sitting here and we're discussing all these, you know, great memories and experiences um, from this past XFL season, and, and that's what I've had the opportunity to, to create my entire life through the game of football. Um, so, this is, you know, this is just a, a small way for me to be able to give, give that back and, and hopefully create those memories and, that, and the love for football for a couple kids through the, through the Matthews Dickey boys and girls club of St. Louis. And, you know, I'm grateful to, to have found a partner that is deeply rooted in St. Louis. Uh, you know, that was the perfect fit in terms of what I was looking for in terms of being able to give back something, um, you know, playing in these different leagues and kind of not being at the highest level in the NFL where you're making that big money. This aspect of it can get lost sometimes because you're kind of always working to earn your next opportunity um, but because this year was so great and, and St. Louis, you know, gave me so much personally, I felt like this was the, the perfect time to be able to try and give back, and, and we found a great way to do it. Well, great. We're, we're excited to see you play again next year. Uh, best of luck with the auction. You could go to go.charityauctionstoday.com. It's the Trey Watson St. Louis Battlehawk cleat auction, and there's some there's some really cool cleats that you could bid on they're all game worn so if you're a Battlehawk fan and uh, you're looking for something something really cool and donate to a great charity uh, again I, I implore you to go to go.charityauctionstoday.com you can also follow our guy Trey Watson on Instagram Trey underscore Watson 33 Trey you're a pleasure man we appreciate you and best of luck next year hopefully you get a chance to talk to you again uh, a year from now absolutely guys I really appreciate you having me on and, and supporting and everything uh, and, and you know who knows if I'm able to come back, I would love to do it, and we'll we'll go ahead and get get it going again next year. Beautiful. We'll have you a weekly guest. All right, you're gonna commit if you if you're better yeah, hey, next down. year. All right, we're gonna we're just gonna get that commitment right now. Sound good? I got you. Right. I got you. That's no problem. All right, Trey. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week.
All right, thank you. You guys, too. Appreciate you. Thank you. That's Trey Watson, linebacker for your Battle Hawks. Matched his, his season high with six tackles, including a half sack in Week 8 versus Vegas. Got his first interception of the season, the second quarter of a Week 4 matchup against Arlington, who did go on to win it all. And I was I was, I was really surprised by that. I was. I thought D.C. was going was gonna to roll Arlington with the way they were playing. Uh, but Trey was also with the Dolphins for a, a, a short period of time as an undrafted free agent. He's the brother of Christian Watson, who will be catching passes not for from Aaron Rodgers next year, but from Jordan Love. So, uh, great family. I've seen interviews with the, you know, we just did this with Trey, but Christian seems uh, like a stand-up kid. Their father, Tim Watson, played in the league. Michelle just seems, again, like a great family. Absolutely. It was so lovely talking to Trey. And, Anthony, I'm a little distracted right now because someone's going to have to fight me for these uh, Dior colorway cleats. I am on the the auction right now. <laughs> They're a steal at $175. i am going to be placing my bid. I will I will tweet out the link because we need to, to help Trey raise some money for a great cause in the Matthew Dickey Boys and Girls Club. And I will be bidding on the Jordan 1 Dior uh, cleats that were worn week eight versus the Vipers. They hated Vipers. That was his big game, too. So Yeah, that's right. And for those that may not see the link or whatnot, could not uh, remember the link, the link will also be on the uh, 101 page under this interview. So go there ahead, go. click on it, check it out. All right, so we lost Michelle now for the rest of the show as she bid, bids on these <laughs> these shoes. That's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman in for Jamie Rivers. So we flip-flopped some things earlier in the show. We're going to get into the Wilson Contreras conversation about the – you know, we, won't, we don't have to rehash everything, but just – what what is the game plan moving forward here? Ali says a couple days ago he's going to be the everyday catcher. Then he's not in the lineup. Uh, last night is going to be on the lineup tonight as the catcher. Michelle and I will have that conversation next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So Ali had mentioned a couple of days ago that when Wilson Contreras was going to be put back behind the plate, that he was going to be the everyday catcher. And then lineup came out yesterday, and Wilson Contreras was back to being a DH. So what changed? Michelle, I, I think it's just this is just kind of bad timing. But before I give my thoughts, you haven't had your opportunity yet to expound on the Wilson Contreras saga, the Wilson Contreras scandal, mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras gate. Your thoughts. <laughs> Contreras Gate. Contreras Gate. <laughs> what a cluster, Anthony. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I haven't had the runway to really go off on this. Actually, it was so funny. I was hosting nationally for ESPN when I saw the Katie Wu tweet that they were moving him to DH. And we just so happened to have Tim Kirkchen on the line. And I was oh, like, perfect. Tim. Timmy, what is going, going on, on in St. Louis? And he's like, girl, I don't even know. What a disaster. <laughs> so I did get a chance to talk about it a little bit. But... I just can't understand how they arrived at this point. Clearly having uh, him back with Jack Flaherty, having the outing that Jack had and the rhythm and the synchronicity that the two of them had was a very positive step forward. I would have assumed 
afterwards when Ollie says he's going to be the everyday catcher. That means we're going to see him in that position for a good, solid stretch, uh, regardless of the matchups or whatnot. To me, if you if you say those words, I'm going to see him a lot, that he's just going to be a, a staple in the lineup. But I just really can't understand, Anthony, how they arrived at, at this point because it really – the math wasn't mathing for me. The comments that Wilson Contreras was making publicly did not – uh, they weren't in alignment with what you were hearing from the Cardinals. Um, then you're hearing different things from catch from pitchers about the situation. It just felt like a big old mess with a lot of different perspectives. And I would just think that if you were going to sign someone to a very expensive long-term contract, that a lot of these things would have been ironed out before you made that deal. That is right there the centerpiece. That's the centerpiece of the conversation. I realize there's tentacles, and you you can you can go down a path and say, is it is it a big deal first and foremost uh, that Contreras is not game planning a certain way, or how much how much were the pitchers at fault? And they they certainly were at fault big time. You're not locating. Period. Mm-hmm. Jack located the other night. He's dominant. I don't think that's 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 coincidence. But what you just said at the end there, Michelle, how do you give eighty-seven and a half million to a player that is supposed to be a catcher and then turn around five weeks into it and say, you know what, we need a catcher without an injury? <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. How did you how did you let it go this far? Did you not think it was that big of a deal going from Yachty to you know, a, a guy that really had a track record in Chicago, mm-hmm. where they took the the game planning call, the, the the game calls away from him. Did, did you think, did you have a plan that you had in place that it went awry? What happened here? But the bottom line is, you signed this guy to be a catcher to replace an absolute legend in Yadier Molina, and it went sideways on you. So now, moving forward, what is the game plan? Because it was only a week, and he was back behind the plate. I can't imagine in a week he got up to speed, Michelle. In fact, he even admitted, Wilson Contreras even admitted, that he he didn't have to change much from a preparation standpoint. And that's, again, Anthony, where the math is not math. So, there's so much to talk about here since I haven't gotten a chance to, but without um, unpacking all of it, since I'm sure you guys have talked about it ad nauseum, you know, you, you read the different reports about how he had – Uh, an open dialogue with Jack Flaherty prior to his start and that uh, it was a healthy conversation and Wilson said some things that Jack needed to hear and they got in a better space. Why, why wasn't this stuff that was talked about earlier? I just don't know how they arrived at that point. Mm -hmm. And I know that no catcher is ever going to be Yadier Molina. He's going to be singular as far as his place as a catcher in St. Louis history. And it's always tough to follow the guy. And I know that, Wilson Contreras is somebody that revered Yadier Molina. He really wanted to be here. He wanted to be the guy to be the heir apparent to Yadi, which is a big deal. And when a lot of other people were given that opportunity in years past to assert themselves as the person to take over for Yadi and they couldn't get it done, it's nice to see somebody who wants to take that baton and run with it. But when your biggest rival doesn't want to bring this guy back and you know what he brings from a defensive standpoint, even if it is an upgrade offensively, even if it brings a different bat than what you got from Yadi, Mm -hmm. your expectations have to be realistic. You can't just fall in love with the press conference. Your expectations of this person and what he's going to produce for you as a as a catcher, a catcher holistically, offensively and defensively, have got to be realistic. 
Also, if that contract is going to preclude you from going out and spending more money to acquire a pitcher that you really, really need when there's a lot of questions surrounding your rotation, you better be pretty sure that you're making the right move. Well said. Well and said. that's my piece. <laughs> that's my piece. Um, but but at least it seems like things are moving in a positive direction. Yeah, and and th- maybe nothing has been solved outside of just the communication aspect has been addressed, and and maybe that's all it's going to take. I think last night him not being behind the plate, Marsh, you and I were talking about before the yeah. show, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think I think you kind yeah, of I don't outlined want you to put anything in my mouth. That done. I don't worry about it. I, I don't think that uh, I'll be doing that now or ever. So, Marsh, what were you? What were your <laughs> thoughts on it? Yeah, I was just thinking maybe on why Wilson Contreras did not start last night on the plate. I think instead of having him catch four days in a row, they knew, obviously, they knew this Libertor thing was coming. And we actually mentioned it last week. I read off uh, an article where Matthew Libertor expressed uh, his that he was comfortable pitching to Wilson. And uh, so, you know, I think we can expect him to be behind the plate tonight. And then also, Adam Wainwright expressed, you know, last week or so that he wanted to pitch to Contreras as well. So I think. You have those two wanting to pitch a Contreras. He ends up catching these next two games instead of him catching last night and then catching the next, you know, it would be four games in a row. Right. And I think they'd probably want to get him off uh, off of his feet. Right, because the game, the game plan the game plan coming in, normally you have six games in a week, typically. Major League Baseball, you have six games in a week. You get, uh, you know, one off day. Sometimes there's two off days. But let's just say for the sake of the conversation, you get six games. The, the, the game plan coming into the year was Wilson Contreras to catch about four of those, and the other two will be spent at TH. So I don't, I don't think that much has changed from that standpoint. But, Marsh, I think you bring up an interesting point. Why wasn't he behind the dish last night? It may just simply be bad timing. We could bring it up Libertor. We want hit. We want Contreras to catch Libertor. Wayno will catch him tomorrow night, and then he'll get one other one other game that he'll catch over the weekend in L.A. The other one will be spent at DH. And, again, it was just bad timing of, he's the everyday mm-hmm. catcher, and then boom, He's not catching last night. Not a huge deal. All right. You want to play a lineup game? Is the lineup yes. out, Marsh? Allegedly. Allegedly the lineup is out. This is going to be a tough one after the lineup yesterday. Oh, we bombed yesterday. <laughs> it was sure. dreadful yesterday. I'm sure. Worst lineup game probably in ever, Bob. So we'll play a lineup game next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, Michelle, I don't know how nervous you are to play the lineup game, but don't be because Jamie and I made a mockery of the lineup yesterday. Well, it was a tough lineup. Yeah, in our defense, we didn't see Nolan Gorman being in the lineup and some of the other moves that he made. Tommy Edmond, first time in the outfield since like August of 2021 or something. Yeah, you wouldn't have gotten that one. No, No, so that one was a little rough. But Matthew Libertor will make his season debut tonight. He was recalled from Memphis. He'll face Corbin Burns, the right-hander. So Corbin Burns, the right-hander. Michelle, I'm assuming this is going to be Newt. Any I'm issue? assuming it's going to be Newt, too. All right. So, Marsh, why don't you go ahead and show us Newt? Newt! Newt! 
New Venice. All right, off to a good start. Love it. No reason to have, unless he's got the day off, no reason to have Goldschmidt not hitting second. I think we're pretty safe with one and two. Let's show us Goldie at two. There you go. I love gold. Against non-lefties, this has been Nolan Gorman's spot. So I think this is Nolan Gorman. Okay, I'll ride with you. Let's All right. go. Show us Gorman. Storming Gorman. He's taking the league by storm. Okay, Michelle, we're doing pretty well here. Okay, three for three. Um, I think Nolan Arenado would be a nice next spot, right? Marsh, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go ahead and uh, show us Nolan Arenado? Can I say one more thing? Albert Pujols, I love you, man. Okay, this one should also be a layup. I'm assuming he's catching tonight. He's the everyday catcher. He's the everyday catcher. Why don't you go ahead? Go ahead and show us Wilson Contreras. Wilson! 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 Now, this is where things get a little more difficult. Yeah, that's not exactly what I was thinking. Now, where do we go from here? Yeah, so if we're assuming we got our third baseman, our DH and Gorman, our catcher and Contreras, Newt is in center because DC, we know, is not coming back. He was placed on the 10-day IL, mm-hmm. retroactive to whatever date it was. Uh, Goldie at first base. So, we got some different options here. Paul DeYoung was hitting fifth last night. Ali has had him hitting seventh typically, but he he would be an option. I think Donovan is an option here because he's you're going to need some outfielders. That's what I was thinking, Donovan. And I, I don't. Mean, th- I was thinking an outfielder. I don't think, th- I, and I don't think that Tommy Edmond is in the outfield. I think if anything, they go with Donovan. And you know, we haven't seen Alec Burleson start a game in a while. He got the pinch hit opportunity last night. It's it's a right-hander on the bump with Burns. He's the lefty. So I think Burleson's going to be somewhere in this lineup, too. But I'm just going to write Donovan, Burleson. Any other options for Sick DeYoung, I guess? Yeah, DeYoung. What do you think? You know, I like your Burleson thought. Why don't we roll with him? All right. Show us Alec Burleson. You're wrong. No, Janet. <laughs> Shoot. All right, then I think it's it's either DeYoung or Donovan. What's okay. your thought? Um, DeYoung or Donovan? I, I think let's go Johnny Baseball. I think it, give us an outfielder here. Show us Brendan Donovan. All right. Way to go, Donnie. Nice. Yes. Okay. Now, DeYoung. now is it Paul DeYoung? DeYoung. Yeah. Show us Paul DeYoung. What a shame. Oh, no, <laughs> Janet. Is okay. this person? Could be Edmund, too. Tommy Edmund at second, DeYoung at short. If if he, if if DeYoung is eighth, I don't think DeYoung comes out of the lineup. Do you? No. The way I he's don't. hitting. No. All right, let's do Burleson. Okay. Show us Alec Burleson. Oh, Burleson, you're so rugged <laughs> and manly. Did we ever get a clarification who Marge is talking to? Because that's not. I'm, I don't think she's talking to Homer. In that clip? Who's she talking to? Who's Burley? And why is he in the Simpson house when Homer is at the power plant? We need answers on that. Anthony, this might shock you. Not a huge Simpsons girl. So I can't answer your questions here. Well, Simpsons been been out forever. I was gonna say family guy girl. Okay, all right. You're a couple years younger than me, so that, that makes that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think you kind of, well, maybe some people watched all three, but I feel like there's three buckets, like a South Park, Family Guy, Simpsons. Yeah. And and maybe you dipped into all three, but sure. I was I was more of a family guy. Family girl. guy. Okay. All right. Burley is one of the characters on the paper towels. It's like the paper towel. Oh, kind of like brawny. brownie. Man. Oh, the brawny oh. man. Okay, the brawny right. man. But he's the burly. So is that that's who she's talking to? Oh, burly. Either yeah. either way, correct me if I'm wrong. And Ryder and, and Mike Ryder, our executive producer, is a little, uh, little gif. He actually kind of looks like Jamie. <laughs> he does look like Jamie. Wow. Okay, that's still not that's still not Homer. So we got issues here. There's a scandal in the Simpson household if she's talking to the paper towel guy. I don't like it. All right. Anyway, so let's get back to this lineup game. So that was Burleson. So DeYoung at eight. Then I say yes. We only have two options left, so I I think we got our our bottom two sorted. Show us Paul DeYoung. <laughs> The king has returned. Thank you. And then show us Tommy Edman, right? I don't yes. know. Yep. Yeah. All right. Show us Tommy Edman. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going. Okay. Can I get some clarification on why DeYoung is the king? Go ahead, Marsh. Thank you. It's a great question. I mean, there's probably a few people out there that are wondering the same thing. Uh, the origin of that is uh, Rafiki, who is the... Uh, you know, one of the characters in The Lion King, he says to Timon and Pumbaa, I believe mm-hmm. it's Timon and Pumbaa, yeah. uh, that he's talking to. He's like, ha the king has returned in reference to Simba returning to Pride Rock. And uh, just gives me the same feeling when Paul DeYoung returned to the Cardinals uh, and has just been mashing the ball ever since. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you take inspiration from... Your, your favorite characters, your favorite heroes growing up. Yeah. I'm into so, it. King so, Paul, let's go. So Marsh, Marsh. Uh, and his... it was a funny gif. <laughs> <laughs> Marsh's hero was Simba, of course, and um, now his hero is Paul the Young. So okay. I just want to go perfect that trans- far, but... yeah, No, it was a perfect uh, oh, transition. Okay. Yep. All okay. right, Marsh, yeah. run it. Uh, leading off, playing center field, Lars Newbar batting second, the designated hitter. Ah. Paul oh. Goldschmidt. Okay. Whoa, okay. Didn't see that one coming. No. Batting third, second baseman, Nolan Gorman, your cleanup hitter, third baseman, Nolan Arenado. So Gorman's playing second, you said? Gorman is playing second. So Edmund is going to be in the outfield again. All right. Wow. Batting fifth, the everyday catcher, Wilson Contreras. I want you to start saying the everyday catcher sometimes, Wilson <laughs> Contreras. The everyday catcher, except for on Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, batting sixth. Playing first base, Brendan Donovan batting seventh in left field. Alec Burleson batting eighth. The short stop, Paul DeYoung, a.k.a. the King, who has returned. And uh, batting ninth, right fielder Tommy Edmond. Why? What? Is Donovan dealing with an injury? Why would you have Edmond in the outfield as opposed to Donovan? I guess you need a first baseman. First baseman. Yeah. I don't like it. He does it. have all the gloves, you know. I don't like it. Go ahead, man. I don't like back, it. Back, 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 back. Stay fair! Go fair, go fair! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! That's this Cardinals crap where it's like, we're going to have a first baseman playing in the outfield, 
Uh, we're going to have a gold glove second baseman playing in right. What are we doing? Anthony, who cares what you think? I get it. I get it, okay? I hear that a lot. And I'm with you. I don't even care what I have to say. But it doesn't make sense. Oh, we're going to have a catcher. We're going to sign him, but we're going to be a DH. What are we doing? Michelle, you're our guest. Who would you like to see hit a home run tonight? Um, Who's your home run call? Well, I get, I'm going to go with the hottest guy on the team, Nolan Arenado. He's a good-looking guy. He is. Pre- well, I, Italian. I mean statistically, yeah. Anthony, but oh. I'm, I'm glad to know your preferences. Well, man. I mean, he's Italian. Look at him. <laughs> Stud. Maybe he's not Italian. It's got to be, is. right? <laughs> Don't look at me. You know what? He's got the swagger of an Italian yeah. guy, though. So he's whether he is or not, he's an honorary Italian there as far go. as we're concerned. He's a ravioli in my book. Darn right. We got a text from the 314 earlier today. Hold on. Hold the heck on. None of you chose Arenado for your first home run game. That, that's correct. Idiots. <laughs> Love the content, though. I actually texted in you last text night. Us. He hit the home run. I immediately texted, and I said, we're dumb. Like, yeah. None of us picked the 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 hottest player on the no, team. No, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to play play the odds here. Uh, Wikipedia is one of our sources, so I can I can use this. His father was Cuban. Uh, his mother is Cuban and Puerto Rican. So I was wrong with the, uh, so not the Italian. Yeah, it's because of his. His passion, Anthony, his swagger, his success. Of course, you would just assume he's an Italian guy. Well, in the vowel at the end of the net last name, you know, that has something to do with Arenado. it, too. Arenado. <laughs> his name's Arenado. Eh, well, I'll correct it in my notes. All right, Marsh, who do you got? <laughs> I'm going to go with Nolan Gorman. You guys are all Tonight. taking the Nolans off the board, huh? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Well, the obvious choice would be Goldie here, right? But let's let's check out the uh, wow! A bunch of guys have homered off of Corbin Burns. Arnado's homered once. Dylan Carlson has homered once. Of course, he's on the IL. DeYoung, the King, Lars has homered once against them, and uh, Goldie has homered. I'm going to take Lars Newbar. I like that pick, Anthony. We're going right away. First leadoff home run, bottom of the first. Let's put this game away right away with with Lars Newbar. I don't mean the actual game. I mean the game that we're playing with the Home Run Derby. All right. Sounds good. We got the gauntlet coming up next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Time for the gauntlet in the fast lane on 101 ESPN 404. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marsh here as well. And we welcome in Jason to the gauntlet. Jason, how you doing? Pretty good. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, Jason, you got two options today for the gauntlet. Yep. You got Marsh or myself. Who would you like to take on? Uh, we'll go with Marsh. Okay. Marsh is up. Let's do it. Marsh, you had a bit of a, not a drought, but you hadn't been picked in a while. And then you had uh, a winning performance the other day, but I know yeah. you were disappointed in the way that 
that wound up. Yeah, I didn't, you know, maybe I'll listen to the questions this time before I decide to answer them. We all make mistakes, Marsh. For sure, for sure. (laughs) All right, Jason, go ahead and tell Marsh to spin the wheel. He'll go into the cone of silence, and then Michelle and I will, uh, will tell you the category. Let's spin it. All right, the wheel is a moving. Jason, if there was a category that you wanted for today to face Marsh, which category would that be? Uh, I need the questions. I feel pretty comfortable with random today. (laughs) Okay, all right, interesting, interesting choice. All right, I'm getting the questions right now. As Marsh (laughs) goes into the cone of silence here. Oh, well, we might have an issue. Good thing Uh we're live on radio. I need the random, random questions. You have it, Michelle? I have it, yep. Okay, so we're going to print those off for me. Michelle, go ahead. You you read them off, and I'll let you know when we have them. But it is random today. So, Jason, four questions, all random. Each question worth two points, unless you need the options, and that is worth one. Go ahead, Michelle. All right, Jason, you wanted random. You got it. Question number one. Which NBA team was moved to Oklahoma City and changed their name to the Thunder in 2008? Oh, wow. Uh, <clears throat> give me, you know what? That's a West Coast team. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm going to go with Seattle, Seattle Supersonics. Final answer? Final answer. All right, we got just got the launch codes. Mike okay, Ryder's good. literally running, and he I think he just smashed his knee into a door or something. <laughs> All right. Takes one for the team. You yeah, know? definitely. Sacrifices right. the body. <laughs> so, Jason, you said Seattle Supersonics, correct? Final answer? That's right, final. Okay, question two. Which city is the most populated city in Montana? <laughs> this is random. Which city is the most populated city in Montana? Mm-hmm. Wow. Random. You'd think it'd be Billings. Give me the options. Uh, Billings, Billings, Helena, Missoula. Billings, Helena, Missoula. I think it's Helena. 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 We'll go with Helena. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Helena. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Billings. Okay. Helena. Oh, we can we what can say that now, that? but you don't remember that from your capitals? No, like, hell no. Back in, like second grade. I can't even Helena, say. I can't even say the Helena. Capital of Montana. Oh, Michelle, I'm an Shout idiot. Out to the people of Helena. Michelle, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Lucky I got here today without you know speeding or crashing my head against a pool side of a pool wall. Give yourself a little more credit than that. All right. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, right. Jason. Jason. Wow. What a great guy. Boy, my self esteem just went from like a zero to about a one. Thanks, man. There you, go. For there you go. Yeah, I'm rooting for you now. I hope you beat Marsh. Go ahead, Michelle. Go ahead, Michelle. Jason, this is random. It might as well be NBA because we got another NBA question for you on deck number three. All right. Which NBA team typically has the best attendance percentage? They had the best attendance percentage this season at 105.1% at home games. Hmm. Wow, it's got to be uh, like a Lakers or uh, shoot. Give me the options. Is it the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, or the Dallas Mavericks? Wow, of those teams, I think there's still a legacy. I'm going to go with Chicago. 
Final answer? Final answer. All right, Jason. St. Louis SC goalkeeper Roman Berkey is from which country? Oh, man. Give me the options. The Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland. I'll go with Switzerland. Final answer? Final answer. All right. We'll welcome in Marsh. And by the way, an amazing interview with St. Louis City SC goalkeeper Roman Berkey last week on Soccer 101. Oh, there you go. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Nice. Michelle with a little plug there. Well done. <laughs> All right. Marsh is making his way back in from the cone of silence. Marsh, how are you? I'm good. Did you check in on Mike Ryder, who smashed his knee or hip into a wall trying to get these questions into us? Did he really? Oh, yeah. I was just watching music. In, or watching music. Wow. Were you watching I was music? listening to music. I had my own moment there. a couple of minutes ago, so it's okay. all good. Yeah. You know, some people do see music visually. I think Pharrell's yeah. one of those people. He sees music. Like, he sees colors when he listens to music. Has anybody called crap on that? No. I, I would I use swear. a different term, but we're Maggie on radio. Maggie Rogers, I think, too. Both, they both see color when they listen to music. Yeah, is but that, what, what I'm saying is, in an interview, does anybody say, that's total crap. Yeah. Depends what on what it? they're eating first. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if they're diving yeah, into, mu- <laughs> they're diving into like- some mushrooms, Jason, yeah. then maybe. Some ayahuasca. <laughs> oh, you think it's blue? This song is clearly yellow. <laughs> they get into fights. All right, let's, hey, let's go. Jason, right. Jason just uh, performed in random trivia here, Mark. Okay. So random is your category. You ready? Yes. All right, I Michelle, am. we'll go in the same order. Go ahead. Okay. Michelle, Michelle is the first question. Question number one, Marsh. Which NBA team was moved to Oklahoma City and changed their name to the Thunder in 2008? That would be the Seattle Supersonics. Final answer. Marsh, question two. Which city is the most populated city in Montana? Which city is the most populated city in Montana? Jeez. Um, there's only one city that I even know of, and it's Bozeman. Um, <laughs> let's go with the options. Good thing you did. Billings. <laughs> Do it. Helena. Helena? Was, yeah. I was calling it Helena. Helena? <laughs> Billings. Helena or Masula. Uh, let's go Billings. Final answer. I have no idea. You said that so dejectedly. Yeah, you were disgusted. In fact, yeah. you're disgusted Billings. with the question. Uh, I don't know. Montana, beautiful state. Yeah. Oh, I'm Big sure sky. it is. God's country. No doubt. Home of the Montana. The Montana uh, Grizz. Are they the Grizz? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they are the Grizz. Yeah. Okay. All right. And also the Montana State. Bobcats. Bobcats. A lot there of wildlife. Yeah. yeah. All right, Marsh. Question number three: Which NBA team <laughs> typically has the best attendance percentage? They had the best attendance percentage this season at one hundred five point one percent at home games. Can you can you repeat the question again? You betcha. Which NBA team typically has the best attendance percentage? They had the best attendance percentage this season at one hundred five point one percent at home games. Um, I have a team in mind. 
but I'm gonna have to use the options. The team I have in mind is the uh, is the uh, oh jeez, the Jazz, right? Yeah. But no, I'm gonna the Utah Jazz. I have them in mind, but let's use the options. Is it the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, or the Dallas Mavericks? Oh, definitely Dallas. Dallas, final answer. Question number four, Marsh. St. Louis City SC goalkeeper Roman Berkey is from which country? Um, I think he's from Sweden. I think he's boys with Oscar Sundquist. Um, maybe. Let's go with Sweden, final answer. All right, let's go over these. Jason versus Marsh today in a random. Which NBA team has moved to or was moved to Oklahoma City and changed their name to the Thunder in 2008? Jason, you went with the Seattle Supersonics. Marsh, you also went with the Seattle Supersonics. Correct answer is... The Seattle Supersonics. That's right. Give them a team. Sean Kemp. Ron, uh, oh, Gary Sean Payton. Kemp. Remember the Sean Kemp shoes when we were younger? Oh, yeah. Anthony? yeah. Those were the coolest. That duo. That, that was a cool team. Yeah, period. that was an awesome team. Get Kevin them back Durant. in Seattle. Yeah, Kevin Durant, you're right. Jason and Marsh, neither needed the options for that, so we have a 2-2 tie. Which city is the most populated city in Montana? Jason, you went Billings. Marsh, you went Billings. Correct answer is... Boys, it's Billings. Nice job. Right. Both of you needed the options. So we have a 3-3 tie. Which NBA team typically has the best attendance percentage? They had the best attendance percentage this season at 105.1% at home games. Jason, you went with the Chicago Bulls. Marsh, you went with the Dallas Mavericks. Correct answer is... The Dallas Mavericks. Marsh needed the Whoa. options, but he does take a one-point lead over Jason. Comes down to this. St. Louis City SC goalkeeper Roman Berkey is from which country? Marsh, you went off. <clears throat> you went off the board. You didn't even take the options. You went with Sweden, and I quote: "Because Roman Berkey is boys with Oscar Sundquist." Allegedly, I, I don't know. Allegedly, boys. With I could Oscar just Sundquist. made that up. Jason, <laughs> you went Switzerland. If it's Switzerland, we're going to a walk-off because we've got a tie. If it's Sweden or any other country, Marsh wins today. Correct answer is... Switzerland. Switzerland, we've got a tie. Ooh, we got to walk off. Walk it off. <laughs> Look at that. All right, Jason, you're going to hold off yeah. on your answer. Marsh, you're going to write yours down. We're going to play closest to the pin. And Michelle... I'm putting you in a bad spot here. You're going to have to do the math on this, okay? Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so okay. get your, uh, abacus, you get your abacus out. I was told there'd be no math, so let me get my uh, old calculator The math right. is not mathing. The math? The math is not mathing. All right, Jason, again, hold off. Here's your question. Marsh, are you ready? Yes. What is the population oh, in Billings, Montana? <laughs> What oh is the population God. in Billings, Montana? Jason, again, you're going to hold off. Marsh is going to write down his answer and then show Michelle and I. I. I legit don't even know where to begin. All right. Well, you better write down something or concede and make Jason I'm the winner. I'm not going to concede, Anthony. I don't quit on things. That a boy. Unless it's the sixth question of the sports <laughs> six-pack. <laughs> and you couldn't find it. Uh, wow. Okay. 
let's go with... Alright, Marsh, you're gonna show me, and then you're gonna have to turn around and show the camera Gosh, so Michelle know. can see. This marker's not working. Oh boy, oh, no. we got a marker malfunction like now. excuse. <laughs> Poor Ryder's bleeding from his dip. <laughs> we didn't have the right question. This is not even a lot. Okay, can you show Michelle? Show me, Oh, please. I forgot. Wait, there's a million cameras in here. Which one is it? Jason. To your right. Down, down. Okay, I got it. Jason, what is your answer? Oh, I'm with him. I have nowhere to begin, but I'm going to go with an even 100,000. Okay, I don't think we have to worry about the math on this one. Nope, we definitely don't. The tiebreaker. What is the population in Billings, Montana? Marsh, you wrote down? 450,000. 450,000. Jason, or, uh, yeah, Jason, you had, you said an even 100,000. Correct answer is... Oh, that's me. The correct answer is 1,118,288. One Jason! You have chosen wisely. All right. Well done, Jason. You were close there. That's for sure. Uh, Marsh, you what shot... What number? It was... It was I, I have no idea. It was 118, 288. 1,118, oh. 288. You were only off by 18K. Yeah, you were only off by 18,000, man. That's, uh, that was impressive. Uh, Marsh, we'll need uh, the calculator to determine how far you were well, off. How many people was, live in? He was 331,712 <laughs> away okay. from the pen. So you did the you did the math on that, Michelle. You knew you didn't have to, but you went the extra mile. You know what? And now I Marsh, do my assignment. I do my then, job. And now Marsh feels like crap. But uh, that's on Marsh. He didn't win today. So... Jason, congratulations. You'll be back tomorrow to take on either Jamie or myself. Congrats, man. Jason's speechless. Congrats, Jason. <laughs> he's he's speechless. He left. Either that or Marsh hung up on no, him. No, he just hung up. He hung up. He knew. It was my drop moment. He probably yeah, definitely so, Marsh dropped him off the line. Well, no, he's probably no. like at his work somewhere and he's you know, he's hiding and he's like, Well, that wasn't gonna it wasn't supposed to take that oh, long. Awesome. Or they're carrying him on his shoulders to victory, yeah, you know, Jason, celebrating him. Jason, Jason, Jason. That's probably what happened. Yeah. All right, we so are. No one lives in Montana. No, nobody lives in Montana. It's it's the best state. I can't wait to retire. Well, I want. Why land does no in one live there then? Really? Oh, I've been there several times. It's outside of the great state of Illinois, the land of Lincoln. It's my favorite state in America. No kidding. So you oh, ride yes. horses out there. So I've been several places in Montana. I've skied there. I've been ranching there. What? Uh, Oh, yeah. I've been to Missoula. I've been to Darby. I've been to Big Sky. Oh, yeah. I love me some Montana. I always tell my dad, I'm like, the goal is to get enough money to buy a plot of land and just build like a family compound out there. I want to get off social media. I want to throw my phone in beautiful Flathead Lake and never talk to anyone ever again. I want to go off the grid and live in Montana. Jesus. Which is very surprising, right? That was a lot. I'm just saying, it's very beautiful there. People are like, oh, we want to retire, uh, you know, Florida, California. <laughs> I hear Arizona, you know, Phoenix. People love Phoenix. Michelle it's goes, give me some Montana. Oh, yeah, Montana's for me. Okay, That's my spot. hey, good for you. Good for you. You would love it if you if you went there. Would I? Yes, you would. Everyone loves it there. All right. Yeah, all 1,000 people. <laughs> 100,000. 100,000. Is it 100,000? It's 100,000. I, I don't yeah. know. I just heard one and I knew it lost, so I stopped listening. You blacked out. All right. We, uh, we are way late for Jeremy Rutherford. He's going to yell at us next. We'll talk to him about the NHL playoffs, some blues stuff. That's all next with JR on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Our uh, deepest apologies to Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, who's joining us right now. He's our Blues insider with The Athletic, because we're way late to getting to him. We were supposed to have him on at 4.15. It's now 4.25, so uh, we apologize, JR. Sorry, man. Oh, no problem at all. Actually, I'm at a uh, district baseball game for high school, and I had to step away. Did you guys have any idea how loud these kids get in the dugout? It's a, come on, kid, you can do it. Let's hear it. Let's go, kid, kid, kid. So That's I think it. I said to st- step away a little bit so you guys didn't hear that. It's encouragement. You know, <laughs> boom, encouragement. All right, Jer, I, I wanted, I did want to ask you about one thing, non-Blues or NHL playoff related, if you don't mind. The sure. the Coyotes situation. This cannot be good. The NHL, uh, the Coyotes are set to plan. Uh, they're they're going to play again at ASU. They had a vote and all this stuff to try to get the city of Phoenix to approve a stadium that did not go through. What is the state of hockey? in arizona slash phoenix yeah not great at all there was a lot of hope that uh, they could get that approved and that vote was uh, last night and it, it failed miserably obviously the league's upset the arizona ownership is upset and then now the news today they'll be at mullet arena we were out there last year with the blues uh, anthony they'll be there next season and after that we don't know they continue to say that the commitment is to keep the team in arizona but i don't know how long term that can be when you have a houston or you have a salt lake city out there willing to support these teams when they haven't gotten it in Arizona. So a tough draw with that vote last night out in Arizona. Yeah, tough situation, JR. Well, I want to ask you about the NHL playoffs. We have Florida and Carolina game one tomorrow, and then on Friday we have Vegas and Dallas. What do you think of these two matchups, and what are some storylines that you're looking at? Yeah, Michelle, exactly what the NHL wanted, right? Uh, No Toronto, (laughs) they wanted no Rangers. (laughs) I think it's what the second time they've had four teams from Sunbelt States uh, in this Final Four in just the last decade or so. And, of course, two of them you have down in uh, Carolina and Florida. That's going to be a big one. You have uh, a former Blue with Paul Stassi. you got to be rooting for him, right? He left the year before the Blues won the Stanley Cup. He goes on to Carolina. He's played a nice role with that team, and that team is humming. So if uh, Paul Stassi could get a cup, I think a lot of people in St. Louis would be happy. And if it's not him in the Cup Final, it's going to be Matthew Kachuk. We've obviously written a lot about him lately. I don't know if people saw the piece at the athletic today about uh matthew kachuk and jason tatum being uh, from the same high school chaminade i know you guys have talked about that in the past but two absolute superstars from the same high school and matthew kachuk is going to lead those panthers into that eastern conference final and then you go to the west and you look at a situation where vegas fires pete DeBoer. what does he do he goes to dallas and he leads them to the western conference final and oh yeah who are they going to play the vegas golden knights so that should be a good series as well what, what do you think, JR? Give us some predictions, man. Who do you like? Yeah, so yeah, so last week before uh, these series got finalized to create the uh, two conference finals, I went ahead with uh, Carolina in the east, and I went with uh, Dallas in the west, and so I survived that round. And so I guess I'm going to stick with it. I'll go Carolina, Dallas in the cup, cup final, and I'm going to go with the uh, Hurricanes as the Stanley Cup champ, Ron, Rod Brindamore. So you'll have a Blues connection there if uh, Brindamore's team can hold on. I love that, JR. Well, I'm always reading you at The Athletic. You're always, you and your your colleagues over at The Athletic, always putting out great pieces there. And recently you did a story on free agent players and if they've raised or lowered their stock in the playoffs. And there's a handful of former Blues on that list. Barbashev, Tarasenko, and Ryan O'Reilly. Can you tell us how their stock has been impacted? 
Yeah, Michelle, good piece. And they listed uh, 15 players, and we're talking about only free agents, guys who were traded basically by their teams. And I uh, like the Blues with O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and Barbashev. They've gone on to, to other teams for the, the, the uh, end of the season. And what did they do in terms of raising or lowering their stock? And so you got O'Reilly, nine points in the 11 playoff games. Obviously, Toronto came up short, but it wasn't because of Ryan O'Reilly, that core four. Uh, they came up short, didn't really produce. Watching that series, Michelle, I think O'Reilly contributed every way possible. Not only did he score that big goal to help to win the first round, uh, but just all the intangibles that he brings a team that I don't think Toronto has nearly enough of. Ryan O'Reilly brought that to the Maple Leafs in that uh, series. And then uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, the Rangers get bounced, as you know, up there in New York. But three goals in the seven games. You know, same old story with Tarasenko. He was creating a lot going on offensively, not much going on defensively. Uh, but his stock, according to the Athletic, they said rose during the playoffs, uh, just like O'Reilly's. So then you get to Barbashev, 11 games for the Ivan Barbashev, who's going to be in this Western Conference final. Nine points in the 11 games. He's playing with Jack Eichel, and a part of the reason why Jack Eichel is in that Con Smythe conversation. So Barbashev, the third blue to be raising his stock in these playoffs. Jeremy Rutherford joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Uh, JR, I'm going to ask you a question that um, – is uh, not fair to you because I'm going to ask you to predict the future, but uh, I don't care because I'm interested. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Barbashev, what do you think the future is for these guys? Do you do you yeah. see them like where where they could potentially land? No, not not in terms of you know exactly where, obviously, uh, but I think that you look at uh, you look at Ryan O'Reilly, and he was asked that the other day, and I wasn't in the room, but the impression that the Toronto writers got was that he wouldn't be back. Obviously, Toronto has cap concerns. So maybe that doesn't make sense from a cap standpoint. Uh, but O'Reilly, to them, sounded like he was going to be moving on. You know, I've been saying for a while now, hey, leave a percent chance that he could be back with the Blues. I don't know that it's a high percent chance, and I'm going to address that with a story coming up in The Athletic here probably in the next week or so. Uh, but I think with Ryan O'Reilly, you know, it's his last big ticket. And I know he's not a guy who's always sought the money, but he's a guy who, uh, you know, where is he going to land? I think it's going to have to be a good fit if it's, St. Louis coming back here. If the Blues like that fit, it could be. Uh, in terms of Tarasenko, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be New York. You know, They also have cap concerns, guys, but uh, Tarasenko, I think, is going to want the big market. I think that's why he wanted the Rangers all along, and that's why I would expect him to land in a bigger market than he's been in in the past. And then Ivan Barbashev, perhaps he finds a fit in Vegas. Look, all these teams are talking about, these guys are going to want to get paid. Their cap's not going up. They got tough payroll consideration, but we're also talking about all these players who saw their stock rise, and so those teams are going to have an interest in keeping them. Jerry, I know a lot of people aren't uh, super locked into the World Championships. There's some Blues that are participating. How are they faring? Yeah, I don't know if I'd be paying attention to the World Championships if it weren't for a few of these uh, Blues players just to see how they're doing. But big tournaments for a couple of these guys. You talk about Sammy Blay. Here's a guy who needs to play hockey. That's what the Blues would tell you. Uh, after being off so long with that knee injury, he came into St. Louis, and the offense was just awesome. He was terrific offensively. And he goes to the World Championships for Team Canada, and he's keeping it up. He's got four goal, four, two goals and two assists in the four games that he's played. You have another guy, Scott Prinovich, for Team USA. I wrote about him this past week. You know, he did a lot of things to get back into the lineup after that shoulder surgery, missed the entire NHL season. But for Team USA, two assists. And I'll throw another name out here, Kasperi Kapanen. Obviously, Blues fans hoping for big things. When he comes back for his first full season with the team next year, 
He has two assists in his four games for Finland. So uh, some good numbers for a few of these guys. All right, Jared, appreciate you. Sorry we were late. Um, we're not very good human beings. But you get back <laughs> to yelling at kids, okay? Go, kid, get him, get him. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thank you. That's Jeremy Rutherford at JP Rutherford is where you can follow Jeremy Rutherford on Twitter with Michelle Smallman. I'm Anthony Stalter. And with Michelle, with us, we're going to play What the Blank next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. And with Michelle joining us, we're going to do... What the sh**? The Janet Inspired. What the sh**? Go ahead, Michelle. Take over. Guys, remember when Steve Cohen went on a massive, massive spending spree for the New York or the New York Mets in the offseason? To win a World Series. That's right. Remember, he just was like, I'm going to sign you. He went all Oprah on us. You get a contract. You get a contract. You get a contract, right? Michelle, what we know about sports is if you spend the most in the offseason, you'll win. That's right. It's guaranteed. Or, or at least that's what Steve Cohen thought. Yeah. And one of those big purchases was Justin Verlander. He mm. signed a two-year, $86 million deal with the Mets in the offseason. Supposed to be, you know, kind of an anchor. Anthony, as we circle back oh, to anchors. Boy, don't, yeah, let's not do that. He was supposed to be a positive anchor. He was supposed to be your version of an anchor for the rotation. He uh. ended up being my version of an anchor for the rotation, okay? <laughs> he spent most of the season so far on the injured list. He had uh, a low-grade shoulder strain, so he didn't pitch on opening day. He didn't make his first start for the Mets until May 4th. He's had three starts. They've been up and down. Last night, not great guys he gave up six runs in five innings of an eight to five loss to the tampa bay rays and let me tell you my neighbors here in new york city they let him hear it catches them the red basket and makes the flip to retire the side but paredes's two-run homer makes it six nothing rays halfway through they boot him off the mound they boot him off the mound in the fifth inning. The Mets are in, they're sitting in fourth place in the NL East, just above the Washington Nationals, guys. So when Randy Johnson signed a deal with the Yankees way back in the day, there was a point where he got into it with one of, I don't, I don't even know if it was a reporter or it was more like a page six type of situation, and he shoved the camera out of the way, and all you hear the cameraman go is, Welcome to New York! <laughs> That that I think fits with Justin Verlander as well, and he knows what he's getting into. He and and he he said it in post games too. He's like, hey, listen, I'd boo I'd boo us too. Right. The expectations, Michelle, you laid it out perfectly. The expectations were sky high. Steve Cohen did invest in the team. Steve Cohen is a fan's dream owner. Correct, which is why I wanted to bring it up, because how many Cardinals fans wish that they had the offseason that the Mets had, and how much better are they faring than the Cardinals right now? Not that much better. You're sitting there in the NL East, granted a tougher NL East, but a NL East uh, nonetheless that that you're 20 and 23. You got a minus 19 run differential. And this one, this one is shocking. And I know that Verlander's been hurt and Scherzer was suspended. Now he's hurt. But Michelle, the Mets ERA, this is the starters, is 5-4-6. That's 26 in baseball. Your Cardinals are 23rd at 5-1-5. 
And the pitching hasn't been great here. No, it has not. <laughs> At least you're spending a fraction of the cost that Steve Cohen is. I'm sure they'll turn it around. I'm sure that spending will come in handy at some point. But no, it's a, it's, it's a bad start for sure. So It's a long season. They can definitely turn it around, but not ideal for the New York Mets. No. What the sh**? Let's talk about another pitcher who's been around the block. Araldis Chapman. He hasn't been Araldis Chapman. We haven't really talked about him since 2021. He had 30 saves that season for the Yankees. Last year, 4.46 ERA. A lot of people thought this is probably the end of him. He's 35 years old, guys. He signed as a free agent with the Royals. And so far this year, 3.45 ERA. But what I want to talk about He's throwing 104 mile an hour fastballs. At 35, Araldis Chapman, he's up the velo, he's throwing 104. The Royals did, Michelle, what I think that a lot of teams should do. They should they should look at those one-year deals where if the guy doesn't, so in this case, Araldis Chapman, you sign a one-year deal, if it doesn't work out, who cares? You're right. a bad team anyways, in this case, the Royals. If he does work out, what do you do? You flip him at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And there was a rumor that the, the Royals are already receiving trade requests for Araldis Chapman. And they can sit. They don't have to deal him right now. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he'll be a commodity at the deadline. And I don't think enough teams, we talk about tanking and all that stuff. Why don't teams like the Royals, or more teams like the Royals, I should say, look for those one-year deals Guys like Chapman, there's plenty of them to prove it contracts, and then you flip them at the deadline if they have a big first half. So good on the Royals. I'm not a big Chapman fan, but you know, I'm good not on, either. Yeah, there's a there's a history there. But good for him for pitching well, and the Royals are gonna get, you know, you're not gonna get what the Nationals got for Juan Soto or something, but you're you're gonna get a decent return for Chapman at the deadline. It's a low risk, potentially high reward no situation. Doubt. What the sh**? Okay, and last one, guys. You know, I'm living here in New York City now. I, I'm not one to read the news anymore because it bums me out. The news bums me out. That's why I stick to sports. Sports sometimes bums you out too, but <laughs> I just so happened to read the New York Post today. And guess what? The first headline is, New York City is sinking. We're what? sinking. Yeah, I'm sinking. It's not, it's not just Florida and California that are sinking. And guess what's causing New York City to sink? The skyscrapers. Uh So there's more than a million buildings in New York City. They weigh nearly 1.7 trillion pounds, and it's causing Manhattan to sink. They're Uh getting closer and closer to a a one to two millimeter a year designation. A lot of areas are subsiding much much faster, and this makes New York more susceptible to natural disasters. So that's cool. What do you even do about that? It's not like you can move skyscrapers. You can't do anything. You just have to buckle up. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that such a bummer? I, when I knew we were doing this segment today, that's the first thing that popped in my mind was Janet saying, what the bleep? Yeah, that's a good one. That's honestly a perfect one. Well, stay safe out there, Michelle. What the <laughs> sh- <laughs> All right, that's the Janet-inspired what the blank here on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers today. I was thinking about the, Michelle, you've been doing a lot of national radio for ESPN, and you thus you've been talking a lot of NBA. This isn't an NBA-specific conversation, but I do think it's interesting. If you were to, if I were to ask you guys, what, what should come first for a sports organization? It doesn't have to be basketball, it could be baseball, it could be football, hockey. What comes first, culture or winning? Let's dive into that next on 101 ESPN. We're 
right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So one of the questions, we, we, we talk about culture a lot in sports. It's kind of like a, a buzzword now, Michelle. You know that. It's like culture. Oh, yeah. What about the culture? The culture. Heat the culture. culture. After the 76ers lost again the other day, and this is this is a program, you know, trust the process, is basically trust trust the fact that we're going to have to tank. Sam Hinkie, when he got to, got to Philadelphia, he's like, we're going to tank. We need the talents. If we don't have the talent, we're not going to win. And then they got the talent in, and yes, they've gone to the postseason, but Michelle, they haven't won squat. They're either bouncing the first round or they're bouncing the Eastern Conference fi- semifinals like they were the other day uh, to Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. It's like, okay, well, what, what did the process net you? My question is, when it comes to sports, what do you guys think? What comes first? Is it culture or winning? Do you have to establish the culture in order to win? Or do you have to win, and then it, and then the precedent is just this is how we do it. I.e., this is our culture. That's such real, an interesting question. Real chicken, chicken or, or the, the egg. egg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna go with winning establishes the culture. Um, I know a lot of people think you build the culture and the winning will come, but I'm sure there's many a team, Anthony, that's had a, a great vibe behind the scenes that hasn't gotten it done that we don't talk about. Sure. And I think about. Perhaps the greatest example of a culture that I've seen in my time observing sports, and that's the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick had a certain regiment that he put together, and everybody was expected to follow the Patriot way. Mm-hmm. Now, when we think culture, we we tend to think, you know, positivity and the good vibes and cohesion and that's not how it was the culture there was do your job put your head down you're going to work harder than everybody else you're going to do what we say and you're going to win and they had the results to back it up but i think that because they were able to win everybody fell in line with the patriot way and the culture i was leaning that way initially michelle the more i thought about it i and i don't know if there's a right answer to this the reason why i was leaning the way you were was because of the cardinals I feel as though when the you know, when the Cardinals started to win in the 80s, and I know that there were in the 90s they, they didn't have this abundance of success, you know, in the early 90s. But still, they 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 won in the 80s, or they, at least they got to the World Series, and then that that culture was established. And now you see current players, or even players in the 90s, lean on the guys that came before them, and that like this culture was built. Uh, but it. At first, I was saying, okay, well, it was built on winning. I don't know, though. I think that if you have the ex, as long as you have the expectation that you're going to have guys that are be being held accountable, that do things in a certain way, you have to work hard. You're establishing first and foremost that we are an organization that's going to put in the work. We're not just going to be a collection of talent. Then eventually that culture will lead to winning. And I think it's harder to do it that way. Especially when you're not, if you're a losing organization, you know, like Dan Campbell right now at the Lions, he's trying to mm-hmm. reestablish, right, Re- restore the roar. Well, he's building it off of nothing. 
They have not. They haven't gotten to a Super Bowl. They haven't won a playoff game in decades. That's difficult to do, but he's he's trying to do it first and saying, we're going to do it a certain way. We're going to build a program that has mental toughness. We're going we're gonna to learn how to put in the work. We're going to persevere. We're going to have grit, and the winning will come, and we'll go from there. I think it's harder. I think more teams miss that way, but I do think the culture's got to be established before the winning. That's where I'm at on it. Marsh, what do you think? Go ahead, Michelle. I I was just going to say, though, you've seen teams win where there's tension in the locker room or tension in the clubhouse. Very true. You've seen talent persevere over over, uh, culture sometimes. You're you're right. You've you've seen guys literally strangle each other in the the clubhouse or the dugout, and those, those teams go on to, you know, appear in a World Series. What do you think, Marsh? Does the culture come before the winning or the winning come before the culture? I think it just depends on which team it is. If you, I mean, we touch on like the Cardinals, you know, they've had a historic amount of culture for, I mean, for hundreds of years, right? Just the players that have been through, through this organization. But if you take a, a team that really hasn't built anything, I think for me, the one thing that I would do is build for the future, get those great players make sure they're great not only on in this case we'll say the court uh on the court on the field whatever make sure they're not or make sure they're great not only on the court but off the court that they have great character and then you bring in some older veterans that you know can can somewhat guide them to be where they need to be in the future to establish that culture there's a reason i mean it it's like the chicken or the egg type thing in in my opinion but Mm -hmm. Uh, you have no winning if you don't have culture. So you have to start somewhere. So you have to build the culture before you build to win. Uh, So I think getting those veteran players, and they might not help you win games, but they will in the future. Mm -hmm. They're going to help establish uh, that type of mentality for your younger players who will eventually grow into uh, seasoned veterans. And maybe that's where the 76ers went wrong. They got all this talent, the top end talent, but they never, at least it was too late to to also say, hey, here's some veteran players that are going to teach you how to win. You know, it's like, well, what does Joel Embiid need? Or what does, you know, the, the bit, you know Ben Simmons at the time, what, what do these guys need? What, what can we add to that to, to make, well, you didn't, you didn't set any precedent. You just got talent. They get then, the wrong talent. You get the wrong talent too, absolutely. And maybe, maybe they end up do winning the the finals here maybe it's a tampa bay lightning situation where they just have a great roster and they just can never win they never win at all and they have to lose so many times to figure out what they're doing wrong yeah and they mature not only as people but as players too and then you add guys like pat maroon and pat maroon goes 100%. in and he he knew he knows what it takes yeah, he knows what the you, sacrifice exactly is. you bring in guys that that know what it takes to win and then you also draft well and bring in young guys who are going to eventually help out. Uh, apparently, it's a five-on-five game, according to Joel Embiid, and they need everyone to step up. So they need to get more some more players. And that's not exactly what he meant. I'm taking that out of context. I actually, right. I feel like the entire internet took what he said out of context. But, uh, yeah. 
Look at you. You're making excuses for Joel Embiid again. I'm not making excuses for him. You do. You're making excuses for him. What has the guy won besides MVPs? Okay. I agree. I Anthony, I think he's slightly... I'm kidding. Slightly overrated when it comes to the playoffs, obviously. So Certainly. I mean, did you see Jokic last night? The man had like 10 rebounds in the first minute of the game, it felt like. The, the Nuggets are going to win. The, the, the Nuggets could win a championship and nobody's paying attention. Yeah. Like everybody wants everybody wants LeBron. I get it. De- the Denver team's what really good. What do you good. want? I want to see our local guy, Jason Tatum, win it all. That's what Me I want to see. But if it's not the Celtics and Tatum. Uh, the Miami Heat and Jimmy Buckets. I love I love me some Jimmy Butler. I, I think I... Talk I, about culture. Heat culture, absolutely. we hear about it all the time. Well, Spolstra, I mean... We were talking How about underrated this yesterday. is he, by the way? We talked about this yesterday. Like this guy, this guy has has won to varying degrees with different players. It's you. And everybody wants to say, "Oh, well, Pat Riley established it. You know, he set the blueprint." Okay, okay great, but, but he's con- Eric Spolster continued it, executed it, and he's the guy making the decisions now. You know, right. he's he's been the man behind all of this for a long time, and it seems as if we never want to give him the credit he deserves. What's the cowherd line? It, the proximity. Proximity to greatness doesn't equal greatness. Mm-hmm. Just because you coached with Barcel or, or yeah, Barcells or Walsh or Belichick, right, doesn't mean that you you are those guys. Proximity to greatness doesn't equal greatness. So what Sprouser has been able to do in Miami is impressive. By the way, if you're rooting for the Denver Nuggets and you live in this city, you're insane. Yeah, no that's one's true, Cronky. Yep, yep, Cronky. Cool. Yep. You know what to else hell I hell with real them? Quick, guys? Yeah, and I, I really like my nuggets on a plate with barbecue sauce. And barbecue. Colin Coward Absolutely. would say, "Really? What are you out of barbecue your gourd? Yeah. That's your pick? Barbecue sauce? All I'm more day. of a honey mustard girl. All day, every day. Barbecue? That's your number one condiment for a nugget? It's not even close. Wow. Barbecue sauce? I'm going honey mustard one. I'm going ranch two. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going raisin canes. Yeah, that. Well, that's specific. Nice. We love some canes. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that sauce is good. Yeah, <laughs> All right, we got uh, we got our sports six pack next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred and one ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. 505, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for the Sports Six Pack with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. Here's Andrew Marsh. Question number one. All righty. We got a question from the 636. When we were talking about this earlier and what the what the blank, uh, talking about Steve Cohen, but from the 636, do you remember when Cohen went crazy after the Cardinals signed Steven Matz? Oh, yeah. Do you think that might be an indication of how he views, you know? You mean he's not good at talent evaluation? Uh, I mean, I didn't say it. You just said it. Remember, he fired up some tweets, I believe. Oh, yeah, he was ticked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very upset. How could you take Steven Matz from him? Hey, guess what? You can... Never mind. Take a walk? Take a hike? No, I... Well... Is that what you're saying? I was going to say you can have him, but... Oh, Anthony. 
that's who. I didn't want to say it, Marsh. I didn't want to say it. That you after guys... tonight, he might be available. <laughs> Maybe when Matthew Libertor spends spins an absolute gem for five and a third. That's right. Sure. Maybe four and a third. I don't know. No, come on, five. I hope he dominates. We're thinking positive. Listen, I hope your, he dominates. Your thoughts become reality, right? Positive thinking yields positive results. Is that like the secret or something like that? Yeah, it's totally the secret. <laughs> and didn't you, Anthony, tell me that, that the Cardinals' lack of success was our fault because we weren't thinking positive? We weren't believing enough? You weren't believing enough. That's correct. So I yes. am taking your advice. All right. I and believe. So he's going to go, what, five scoreless? Pitch a, a gem? He's, this is going to be the start of a beautiful relationship between the Cardinals and Matthew Libertor. We're going seven. Seven score. Seven score. better than Jack Flaherty the other night. Seven scoreless, eight Ks, one, one walk. Cardinals lose 1 0. Because it's Corbin Burns <laughs> on the other side. It's Corbin, exactly. That's There's right. nothing funny about it. I'm sorry. You're right, 618. I'm sorry. What does it always have to be the 618? You know, don't diss the people on the L side. It's not all six. Too. No, it's not. No, no, it's he's not saying the 618. Yeah, I'm saying no. the 618. Yeah. Tate. I know, yeah. but still. Yeah. The old side takes enough heat in St. Louis, you know? Where'd you go to high school? Oh, I'm from Illinois. Don't care. What? They say no that one to cares. you? No one cares. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I'm like, no, because on that side of the river, we don't play these games about high school. Very, I don't need you to determine if I'm worthy enough based on where I got my high school diploma. Sure. I, uh... Where'd I, you go I, to school so I can judge the crap out of you? <laughs> totally. I'm like, oh, I'm from Illinois. They're like, oh, okay, why did I waste my time talking to you? I can judge you by... I don't by know how much money you have by your, where you went to high school. Your parents' financials. <laughs> That's right. I need two things from you. I need to know where you went to high school and your parents' last three tax returns. Give me the last four digits of your social. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. Love you, St. Louis, though. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> Question number two. By the way, uh, the 618 texted in today, uh, right as the show started, he said another pathetic loss. I didn't think last night was pathetic. Uh, All losses are pathetic, Marsh. You either win or they're pathetic, period. Let me say, let me tell you something about the 618 for a second here. Let me tell you something. That guy has correctly predicted that the Cardinals will will not win the World Series. He's done that for the last four or five years, and and we don't listen to him. He has accurately predicted that the St. Louis Cardinals would not win the World Series four or five years in a row. Yeah, and that's a risk, too, you know? That's a risk. He really put himself out there with that one. Got to start listening, Michelle. Okay. God gave you two ears and one mouth, Anthony. You got to listen twice as much as you talk. That's right. That's correct. bad for our profession, you know? Exactly. We got to talk a lot. Yes. Uh, I just got a text from the 314... Marshy, I expect six questions today, so we're only on question two now. So, oh, okay, let's pick it up. We Go gotta ahead. get going. All right, no problem. Question Wait. number two from the six three six. Delivered, Marsh. Jeez. What's more likely to happen? Matthew Kachuk wins a Con Smythe or Connor Bedard finishes top five in points? Matthew Kachuk wins a uh, Con Smythe award. Kachuk this, next this year. Yeah, there you go. Next. I should, I should have done that route. Go ahead. Question number three. How about this one, I thought Anthony? it was going to be a Jason Tatum. Me too. So, okay. I we were Question three. Who's more likely to win their championship in their respective sport? Matthew Kachuk wins the Stanley Cup or Jason Tatum 
wins the NBA Finals. I say, the, what is that trophy called? The Bill. Is it the Bill? The Larry O'Brien trophy. Larry O'Brien. Larry O'Brien. Yeah. I'm Were you going to go Bill Russell? Yeah, that's the MVP, isn't it? Uh, or no, they change it. I don't know. I'm looking. I'm it still up. going. I'm still going Kachuk. I'm still I'm going, going Matthew Tatum. Kachuk. Are you going Tatum? I'm going Tatum. I think Tatum's got a tougher road with Miami, and then I either just, uh, Lakers or Nuggets. I just think it's so hard to win a Stanley Cup. It not is. that it's not hard to win any championship, but after covering the Blues for so long yeah. and that run they went on, it is truly a battle of attrition to win a Stanley Cup. I also realize I slighted the Carolina Hurricanes, who are incredibly underrated, as well as uh, Vegas and Dallas, when I said the comment that I made. But I'm going to stick with Ma- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Matthew Kachuk. Okay. By the way, Bill Russell Award is the NBA Finals Most Valuable Player oh, Award. Okay, there Had you go. those two mixed. That's all right. Had them mixed up. Michelle Michelle's been doing a lot of ESPN National Radio, so she she had the Larry Larry O'Brien Trophy. Boom, right there. Boom. This might surprise you guys because we don't talk a lot of NBA. The rest of the country loves it. Oh, they love it. They yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> Question drunk. number They're four. Drunk on NBA. <laughs> Anthony, what is LeBron James's legacy if he doesn't? No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think his legacy is intact. I've had so many LeBron legacy combos. Oh it's been a man, I. I <laughs> If he I can does imagine. not win game two of this right. series. Steph or LeBron, whose legacy is more at oh. stake? We had <laughs> uh, next. We did uh, March. Remember, you and I were in the office. We were listening. We were listening yes. to Kellerman. Yeah. The, and they was breaking it down. I'm like, are you kidding me? Steph just won another one. <laughs> yeah. It's like they forget, you know, that he just won an NBA championship. Right. Not even a year ago. Calendar legacy. year ago. Right. I'm like, hey. Yeah. Meanwhile, you guys, want, you guys want to talk some baseball? Or so, what? So, sorry to do this, but meanwhile, Joel Embiid, nobody talks about his legacy. They got to get more around him. He won the MVP. How many wins? Multiple series for once. You're talking about Steph Curry's legacy. He just literally won another championship last year. Because I think when we have a legacy talk, you have to win a championship to at least talk legacy, right? You know, now Giannis is in legacy talk because he's won. Hey, fire off the thing. Yeah, go ahead. Question number four. Michelle re-asked that. That way it counts. Do we start (laughs) legacy talk in the NBA with players who've only won a championship? Well, let's do this for any player. Let's do it because I think it's a fascinating question. I think yes. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't think it starts with... The, a championship. Like, if you win a championship, then we start talking about legacy. No. Is it because of Dan Marino? Is it the Dan Marino effect? Absolutely. Yeah, man. My Absolutely. Guy. Isn't legacy like your impact? Your on impact the game? on the sport during that time. Your history. Yes. During your time of playing. Yes. But outside of Dan Marino, who's the first person that comes to your mind who really impacted their respective sport that we talk about having an impactful legacy that didn't win a championship? Besides Marino? Because he's the easy answer. Shock. My second, I, I don't Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley did, he, my did he change no, basketball, though? But we no, don't put him was, on the Mount Rushmore. No, well, you're no. right. We don't. But he was, he Maybe was late night a TV. great. A great player, yeah. great career, did not all-time, win. All-time personalities, number one. Yes. 
I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Connor McDavid is like, the. I feel like if you don't win a championship, you just you you get put in a different box. It's like mad respect for your game. Heck of a player. What a career. Right. But we're not Never talking won. legacy. We're not talking legacy. Dan Marino feels like the only one. Uh, text I see line, what you're saying. Throw out some names if we're we're missing somebody obvious. Iverson. Iverson's a good one. Mike, Jim Kelly. What These about are all Mike from Trout. the Texters. Well, he's still playing though. Right. But you know he's not going to win one. No. No, he's never won. Oh, that means win. he'll probably win this year. <laughs> They'll trade Shohei and win it. We talk more about Shohei's legacy than we do Mike Trout. True. But Shohei is just an absolute Because he's a unicorn. Freak. It's like two two guys you talk about. It's Babe Ruth and Shohei. And Shohei. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn was a great player. But. No, we don't talk about his legacy. You're right, Michelle. You know we don't saying? talk about his legacy. I guess my point is, why don't we... obsessed with championships. It's yeah. the only barometer that... The Cardinals have had unarguable success over the past decade. How many franchises in baseball would love to have what the Cardinals have had over the past 10 years? And we 29. view it as a failure because they have not won a championship in 10 years. We say, tick-tock, where is our ring? <laughs> The clock is ticking, Mo. I don't see another flag outside Bush 3. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't see one. It doesn't matter. And how many times are we, we can't keep doing the, it doesn't the, matter the different, you know, we, you already missed your chance. Could have been 12 and 12. Oh, you on the division again? Cool. Who awesome. cares? Awesome. Hang another NL Central yeah. division ban- yeah. banner, oh, you freaks. There's more Hall of Fame players you're bringing in? Uh, great. Spare me. Is there a cool <laughs> hashtag for this season? That's why, I mean, you know, the 11-11, it worked. 12 and 12, it worked. Yeah. No, it didn't work 12 and 12. Well, well it, 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 should have. it should have. Should from have. A but the Bones didn't standpoint. spend any money, and you saw what happened. <laughs> you know? Um. So we need a hashtag, is what you're saying? I mean, yeah, hey, the Blues had know. Gloria. Maybe we need a song. Hashtag get Shohei Otani. Hashtag get more starting pitching. Which. Yeah. No, no, you got, no. We need something catchy. We oh, need, I think we need a song. That? I miss Gloria. You know, I miss those that energy that came. I'll tell uh, you what. Nothing felt better than after a Blues victory. You heard those dulcet tones of Laura Branigan. You know what I'm saying? Very true. Yeah. Uh, no one. None of us knew the second verse, but we knew the chorus. No doubt. You don't have to know the second verse. I mean, we don't. I don't even so think maybe, they. I don't think they have a second we verse. We need to believe more per Anthony, and we need a song per me. You know, yeah, that's it, the that's the special sauce right there. Really, all comes back to that. That's true. All I right, think Marcia. what's great um, about making fun of the legacy conversation is that we just spent five to ten minutes talking about it's a, legacies. It's a great conversation. It's a great topic. I'll all tell right, you go what. ahead. Yeah. Well, we're still rolling with it. Question number five. All right, Texter we're gonna, demanded we're gonna, six. You're absolutely right. Uh, from the 314, who's got the best burger in town? Max Local Eats. No way. This guy also says, to me, it's Max Local Eats, but maybe you guys have a hidden gem that oh, I need wow. to try out. It's Max Local Eats. Get the rip fries. You're welcome. Best burger in the country. I'd put it up against anybody. Really? Wow. It is to die. When I bring people to St. Louis, I bring it. I bring them to, there are certain spots that I hit, and Max is a showstopper. It's amazing. And those are the best fries you'll ever have. Okay, uh, Michelle, you said that so emphatically. I'm not going to debate you. No, I would love to hear your choice. I... It's wrong, but no, I'm kidding. There's a lot of great spots in St. Louis, but that's my personal pick. <sighs> St. Louis is an unbelievable joint. food city. 
Yeah, it is. Brasserie has a good burger. Um, let me think. What else? So I'm laughing at all these hashtags that are coming. In right now. <laughs> <laughs> we can revisit those too. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're gonna go with you, Michelle. On, okay. On Max's. Max. Max. Well, Max's burger. Yeah. M-A-C. Max. Max burger. Max burger. All right, let's get number six. Let's go. Question number six. <laughs> all right. I'm going to read off the That's hashtags. Food questions. We'll get to oh, no. six. Yeah, I'm going to no read doubt. off these hashtags. I need you guys to decide which so is it a, what's is... the question? What is the best hashtag? Okay, I love it. From the 314, hashtag uh, show me show. Show me show. So we got that one. Okay, what, so for Otani, uh, show yes. me show. Why don't you just say show me? You know, it's a plan. Show hey, it's a plan, Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Show me. Show me show. Show me your Otani. From the 636, show me Otani. Oh, okay. There you but go. It's oh, not okay. your Otani. Show me uh, your Otanis. Hashtag the heat is on. We, the heat is mm, Hashtag um. go get it. <laughs> That's a good one. Have you heard that, Michelle? Have you heard? No. Oh, boy. We'll play it for you. Okay. Hashtag Kronky still sucks. I love that That's one. That's a great one. Yeah. Solid That's classic. One. Classic. Um, always works. Yeah. For sure. Always and forever. That yeah. sucks. Timeless. He totally sucks. Yeah. What a loser. Hashtag five-year 87.5 mil. <laughs> <laughs> A <laughs> little unfair to Contreras, but I like it nonetheless. Made us Just all the laugh. Terms, you know. Yeah. Uh, from three one four hashtag show me Shohei. Okay. So that's uh sort of like the first one we went to. Yeah. Uh, hashtag twelve for the two three. You know what? I'm gonna throw in there. How about hashtag TikTok? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, I like that. Let's ramp up the urgency. Yeah, here. Time is running out. <laughs> it's really not. But no, it's not at all. <laughs> We're All still right. Going. Hashtag Mo pay for Shohei. Hashtag that damn rally squirrel. <laughs> That's true. Can we can we go hashtag raccoon or not raccoon? What's the uh, possum? We got a possum, by the way, Michelle. Uh, like a personal possum. A um, the animal, the opossum. We got it. It's going to be the rally oh, opossum. Yeah, we okay. did. We traded for that earlier yeah. in the year. I got a lot of hate once for saying that they were ugly and that I didn't like them. And people were like, you don't know anything about the animal kingdom. (laughs) The the possum. You better watch your mouth when you're talking about the opossum. You check yourself when you're talking about the possum. They're like, you don't even know what it does. I didn't. It's a really important part of the ecosystem. I called it. Well, it's heinous. And it was inside my trash can. I thought I was going to die. The opossum was inside the... the... Yeah, one time when I was on with Bernie, I went out to take the trash. I opened up the trash can. Opossum there, you know, with that gnarly face, those eyes, that giant rat tail. I freaked out. We had the boiling point at the time. I boiled on it. The only other hate that I got more for is my take about jerseys. Wow. Athletic jerseys. Dudes didn't like that one. Okay. You still like not wearing jerseys? Well, I just said I just think it's interesting from a societal standpoint that we are cool wearing the uniform of athletes in public but mm-hmm. like i love doctors and i'm not gonna wear scrubs outside of a hospital and be like where to go you killed it in the mm-hmm. or today maybe we Dr. should jones i agree i hope they're not but i just think it's an interesting in talking point how we <laughs> this is the one profession where we're like yeah Let's dress up like them and support them. Dudes didn't like that. That's a good point, though, about like, you know, if you hang outside of your dentist office, right? Yeah, I was just doing some critical thinking. It's like, you're like banging the, on the like, glass. Hey! Yeah, dudes felt attacked. Look, you're like wearing the the, the, the mask, the dent, the dental mask, <laughs> yeah. you know? What are they what called? Is, let's go filling! 
Yeah. <laughs> or what if you just went outside a fire station in a full fireman's uniform? Yeah. Like, just love your work. Right. Love your work. Appreciate way to, it. Way to go, Tim. Outside you're, your account, you're my favorite office. Man, you crunched the numbers this year. Yeah. Yeah. You crunched the mechanics. Yeah. That little change was sweet. Nice job. Yeah, I, I don't want an <laughs> autograph. I just, you know, I just want to say I appreciate the way that you just. <laughs> You work that Excel spreadsheet. I respect the game. An oil change in seven minutes. You are disgustingly good. <laughs> you are the goat. You're on Mount Rushmore, man. All right. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What are we doing next? I don't know. We've lost our way. Okay. Why don't we just do the biggest question of the day next? We'll keep it short <laughs> after not answering really any questions here. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, a very quick biggest question of the day. Go, Marsh. All right, from Jim. Hey, Jim. Could today be the beginning of the end of the Randy Arozarena complaints. Ooh, I like I like that question. Um no. No because of Libertor not performing well or no because Randy Arozarena is just off to such a great start. I think the beginning of the end will start maybe after three strong Libertor starts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know I know that it's phrased in a way of like, oh, this is when he comes up and right, right. he can, he can start being what we all thought he was going to be when a the trade pitch, went down. A left-handed pitching god. But I just think that people won't even consider it until he's got a couple good ones under his belt. I don't think my answer is also no, Michelle, but I don't think that people will will ever look at this trade as the Matthew Libertor trade or an even trade unless a Rosarina starts to really tail off. Because we look at like Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. I brought this up yesterday. The Luke Voigt trade. Cardinals got Giovanni Gallegos in that deal. But people were so hung up on the fact that Luke Voigt was hitting very well for the Yankees. Right. They were willing to overlook the fact that he was hitting between juggernauts in in the best in one of the best lineups in baseball for a while mm-hmm. but eventually his play tailed off and when they traded for Rizzo last year or two years ago he was disgusted Voigt, Voigt was disgusted by it and then they traded him to San Diego but the bottom line is you stopped hearing about Luke Voigt being included in that Randy Rosarina and all that remember you just do the sequence of Cardinals players right, that right. they gave up that that all of a sudden Luke Voigt's name was dropped off so I don't think that things change unless Randy or Rosarina starts to really tailspin. And, of course, Matthew Libertor pitches well. So you think even if Libertor becomes... Let's say the Cardinals win a World Series, okay? And Matthew Libertor pitches a really important game in the World Series that mm-hmm. helps the Cardinals win this year, next year, whenever. But Randy Rosarena is a stud. Do you think it still matters? Do you think it's... In that scenario, no. So you think it's just if the other component also falls off? Yes. 
Okay. Well, I know. I to your to your question about the if you win a World Series, oh, everything goes away. Every move that you made was the right one. Well, in my, I in my opinion, of, about like the Colby Rasmus deal, right? And granted, it wasn't you know one for one, right. but he didn't pan out. And the pieces that Mo acquired it didn't matter. were critical in you winning a World Series. Right. So you think if he went on to be a stud, people still would look look and be like, man, shouldn't have made that deal. They could have done it without those piece, those bullpen pieces. No, 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 no. I'm saying the opposite. I, I'm oh, agreeing okay. with you. I oh, think okay. that even if Colby Rasmus goes on and has a good career, people are still saying, you had to make that deal to win the World Series. Right. I think no matter what you do, it's as like the butterfly win. effect. That's right? the Ryan O'Reilly, Tage Thompson trade. That's yes. a great point. Perfect example. Exactly. That's a good example. It great job. Tage, yes, perfect, Marsh. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Marsh, great job. Uh, I think that some people... We'll need Matthew Libertor to be like a 2013 Michael Waka in order for this to kind of go away because we saw yeah. a ton of postseason success from Randy Rosarena. That's what that's where his success is coming from. It's in the postseason. Whether it was the home runs a few years ago, uh, you know, now he's in the what is it top five in RBI? RBI, yeah, yeah. like. You know, and actually, if you look at his numbers in the regular season over the past few years, it's not like mind shattering. Doesn't care. I don't but care. He delivers at the the, on the biggest the, stage. The Marsh. He does. He does deliver on the biggest stage, and it's the complete opposite of this Cardinals team. They're very good for the most part in the regular season, and they disappear in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? We don't talk nearly enough about Sandy Alcantara. And how how great he would be, but I think that Randy or, or like with the Cardinals, I think Randy Arozarena is representative of the fact that the Cardinals have had this outfield carousel. It's not just yes. that they didn't give him the runway that he needed to find out if he would be great. It's not just that the Rays and Kevin Ibach circled him specifically mm-hmm. and wanted him and made the deal and he had success elsewhere. It's that here we are on May 17th, 2023 <laughs> and we're still talking about the dang outfield. Right. We're still talking about Tyler O'Neill and is, is he going to move? He was supposed to be one of the guys that stopped it, that mm-hmm. hit the stop button. And it, it's, I think it's, it's a lot of things, but I think Randy Arozarena funnels a lot of our frustrations sure. with the outfield into that complaint about that specific trade. And Michelle, I think you're spot on. I think you're a hundred percent accurate. I Thank also you. think it's easy. It's it's easy. Um, was it kindling? So the what do you put in firewood? Yeah, firewood. Yeah, basically. I think kindling's firewood. Yeah, it's it's easy to to throw into the fire there for Cardinals fans that have wanted Mo gone for a while. It's a, it's the it's the layup. It's the you know he got his his uh, back pocket picked in the Randy Rosarina deal. Like that's right. it's just a, it's a layup. But I think you're absolutely right with the the outfield because if Tyler O'Neill wound up being an MVP year after year, and Dylan Carlson he pans out, you're mm-hmm. not talking. You're not talking about it as 100%. much. 100%. Like, man, if, if we're still having O'Neal, Bader, and Carlson as the outfield for the St. Louis Cardinals, and those three guys are who we projected them to be, we're yeah. not talking about Randy Rosarana. You're absolutely right. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Anthony Stalter. Mike Matheny joined us earlier in the show today, and he had some outstanding thoughts on the whole Wilson Contreras catching situation. It wasn't about Wilson necessarily specifically. It was it was just his experiences 
his what his role was as a catcher with the pitching pitching staff. We're gonna revisit some of that audio because I think uh, I think Mike Matheny, as Jamie said, he shed more light on the situation uh, just from an outside viewpoint than maybe most people. That's next on One One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred One ESPN. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers of Anthony Stalter. Mike Matheny joined us earlier today in the show, and one of the topics that we covered was the Wilson Contreras saga. And he doesn't have any insights. He's not in the, he's not in the clubhouse anymore. He's not you know he's I'm sure he still talks to a lot of people within the organization, but he wasn't talking about specifics. He was just leaning on his own experience. And I thought Michelle, what he said was really fascinating. So. Here's what Mike said when we asked him about the relationship between him and the pitchers and how to maintain that relationship so that you know you can you can have that the ultimate goal which is to which is to have a great start and win games. Here's what Mike said. It happens all the time. And it can happen from game to game where you you're just clicking and everything's right and then a lot of it comes down to also, you know, part of the wiring of a of a catcher is taking the blame uh, sometimes when it's not your fault. But it's also uh, that's part of the beauty of the position is trying to take some of that pressure, and that's that's part of how you you build that rapport. And you know, and I know that's always going to be be the case for the guys who catch for a long period of time. They're just going to say, "Hey, I got to be better at this." And the way you do that is you just you just keep jumping in, you keep diving in, you keep going through those pregame video sessions you keep going through all the data you try to find some some uh some sort of advantage of okay how do we better use we use the the analytical people to give us a better game plan of how to go about using certain pitches which ones are we not maximizing certain counts for me one of the greatest things was being able to sit next to him during a game and even between at bats you know what are you thinking here? Or what, what was your thought process in here? I went to this spot, but you shook me off. Tell me what you want. And then you got to have uh, enough intelligence to be able to process it and, and to be able to then repeat it and try to retain the things that make these guys good. You know, the thing that really stood out to me, Michelle, about the, what that Matheny, that specific audio clip, is when he said, and he kind of chuckled about it, he goes, you know, as a catcher, sometimes you just got to take the blame. Even even though it wasn't your fault, that's not a catcher thing. That's a leader thing. Correct. That's leadership. You recognize the situation. You recognize how quickly things could go off the rails, and you take you take the responsibility. You hold yourself accountable. Hey, that was my fault. That was my fault. I'm sorry about that. And what what should happen if everybody's mature enough? is the person you're talking to, maybe not in that moment, maybe it's a maybe it's the next start or maybe it's the next game, maybe it's the next inning. That person goes, "You know what? That was on me. That's my fault. Let's get on let's get on the same page." But that's leadership is what he's talking about. And ultimately, when you're talking about the Contreras situation, there wasn't enough leadership within that clubhouse to completely <laughs> exhaust the situation right like to 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 completely um distinguish the situation or extinguish the situation i should say right done it's over with let's get on the same page 
Instead, it almost felt like there wasn't a lot of communication, and then all of a sudden, Ali and Mo made a decision, and they went to the media, and that got jumbled up, and that got mixed up, and it it wound up being a small trash fire that turned into a forest fire, as opposed mm-hmm. to just starting right there with that one thing, leadership. That was the thing that that stood out to me. How about you? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the leadership component, and I thought that Wilson Contreras handled the situation very well. I thought his comments about being an employee were pro. very level-headed. He was a 100% professional, at least publicly. And I think we saw that with his actions, the way that when he was not the everyday catcher and he was DHing, how you would see him in the dugout sitting next to Ollie and Dusty Blake, or you'd see him talking to pitchers. Um, I remember reading Katie Wu talking about the situation where he talked about having that conversation with Jack Flaherty as an icebreaker, you know? Um, he, he seemed very positive when you would the camera would come on him and he was supporting his teammates. He was a pro with the situation. Um, I do think, however that I have more questions than I have answers about how all of this went down. You have the Bob Nightingale report that the pitchers essentially went to Ollie or management and said, this isn't working for us. But did they have that conversation with Wilson Contreras before they went to someone else, before they went to a third party? Doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it. And if so, why did you not feel as if you could speak to him? And again, maybe they did and he was resistant and we're not getting that information. We don't know. We're not inside the clubhouse. Or at least that information hasn't come out yet. Or at least I haven't seen it if it did. But that's, I guess, my question about the leadership is part of being a leader is setting the tone. But it's also, I think, being open to tough conversations or inviting tough conversations and tough criticism. And... I wonder why they felt, if this in fact is the case, that they couldn't go to him directly. Or what was the obstacle between the pitchers and the catcher being able to have an open dialogue and solve it themselves? Michelle, it could have just been exactly what you talked about. Because when you have a difficult conversation or you know that you need to have a difficult conversation, avoidance is the first thing that usually pops in. I shouldn't have to talk to him. I shouldn't have to talk to her. They should come to me. Mm-hmm. And then the situation... It's not working. Why haven't they approached me? <laughs> exactly. And the other person might be thinking the exact same thing. When you're uncomfortable or you know that you're about to do something or have a conversation that is uncomfortable, that's actually the first indication of growth. You're growing. You're having... This is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, this conversation... It's going to be comp- – it might it might be awkward at first, but once we have it and we can at least see eye to eye and respect each other, that's growth. And I don't think that that was, that was happening among that pitching staff, or at least it doesn't sound like it from the outside. I don't want to overlook the fact that you what you just said too, Michelle. We're not, we're not in, in the clubhouse. We could be right. way off on this. All right, let's play Beat the Streak. What you miss, criticism, compliments. Michelle and I wrap up the show next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. All right, time to play Beat the Streak. Michelle filling in for Jamie Rivers, who now has a... Marsh, do you know what uh, off the top of your head? 
three, four game hitting streak? Anthony, you Five. are correct. It is four. Four now for Jamie. Marsh, you're zero. Goose egg. Gretchen, who joins us right now, she's got one. one. And uh, I've got one after last night. All right, so Michelle picking for Jamie Rivers. Ooh. And I can pick anybody to get ahead? Anybody on either team. You're up first, so the board is yours. Okay. Take um, uh, Dylan Carlson. Uh, <laughs> you can't trick me, Anthony. I'm going to go the safe route. I'm going to go Nolan Arenado. He's homeward in five games. He's sitting at 999 RBI. I think he gets number 1,000 tonight. Give me Mr. 1,000. There you go. I think that's a pretty good choice. All right, Gretchen, since you and I are tied, uh, tie goes for the to the listener, of course. So who's your selection? I'm going to go back to Gorman since he's batting third. Uh, I think he'll get more looks, and I'm counting on him. All right. I am going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. He's got more hits against Corbin Burns than anybody in the lineup. I'm going to go with Goldie as my selection. Marsh? I am going to go with Willie Adamas tonight. You, uh, You know who's on the bump tonight, right? Yeah. It's Matthew Libertor. And we're all believing that he's going to be great. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, never mind. I'm going to go with Lars Dupar. There you go. I like that. Nice job, Marsh. Nice job. All right, Gretchen. Even though he ruined my streak last night. (laughs) Gretchen, we're going to talk to you tomorrow because I believe in you too. Awesome. Oh, thank you, sir. I believe in you. Thank you. All right, uh, Gretchen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya. All right. See ya. I'm moving quickly here. Uh, podcast. Don't forget, download the podcast 101ESPN.com or the 101 ESPN mobile app. Great conversation earlier today with Mike Matheny. Also had a fun conversation with Battlehawks linebacker Trey Watson. Talked to our guy Jeremy Rutherford about the NHL playoffs, the situation in Arizona with the Coyotes. And uh, Michelle, always love doing the show with you. You're an absolute talent and love hearing you on ESPN Radio too when I'm driving around on the weekends. Thank you, and be sure to tune in this weekend because I'll be on on Saturday from noon to 3 central time. Beautiful. All right. Marsh, I know you've been itching to play this. Yes. Go for it. So, you know, I just tuned in, and, you know, I'm hearing you guys talk about some of the trades that I've made in the past, and (laughs) and sure, you know, hindsight is is 2020. Looking back, you know, um, I probably wouldn't have done some of those trades. But, you know, when you look at, at, at the Sandy Alcantara deal with, with Zach Allen, you know, we would do that one again because not only did did Marcelo Zuna um, hit, but he, he played good defense, right? And, you know, with, with the Rosarena, it's uh, – look, we knew he was a superstar, right? Like, we, we were able to – break down his skill set but at the end of the day put your phone away right <laughs> and, and if he puts his phone away he, he's probably a superstar here and you know we have the cardinal way he broke the cardinal way if you're going to do a live video we do it on facebook live not instagram <laughs> and you know so so he got the boot um it's unfortunate sure but we don't need him we got dylan carlson that's <laughs> john Fozalock. Uh, here on 101 ESPN, John Mozalock will join uh, BK and Ferrario tomorrow, so make sure you're tuned in uh, to their show middays. For Andrew Marsh, Michelle Smallman, and Anthony Stalter, everybody have a great night. Thank you for listening. Go Cards. See you. You've been listening to the Cards Radio Network.
listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.